0: Today in association with Slattery's of Pecan, your main Peugeot dealer for over 50 years in the Premier County, slatterysgarage.ie.
1: Welcome along to Tip Today, 1800 938 007. Our free phone number, it doesn't cost you to make a call, and Ali is looking after today's programme. If you're about to set out driving, can I just uh, put it to you that the roads are extremely wet and there's flooding in some areas, so do look after yourselves and be very careful out there, won't you? Coming up on this morning's show, Johnny Luby will be with us in just a moment's time. Could Boris Johnson stage a comeback? More from our listeners on food and oil prices. The Tipperary Chief Superintendent, Derek Smart, will uh, speak to us just as he's leaving the jurisdiction. Uh, what's on the box this week with uh, Andrew? And our Friday panel will unpack the major topics of the week. So all of that and much, much more on the way. A look at the headlines today. The Indo, their banner headline uh, across the picture of Liz Truss, says we'd like trust after Truss. Irish ministers don't want Boris back. I wonder why. Also on the front page of the Indo Today, that uh, story that uh, Pat brought you during our bulletin uh, that uh, public parks and beaches are to become smoke-free areas under plans the government is considering. I wonder what do you think uh, about that? Uh, smokers now you can't even have a smoke. On the beach or in a park, Uh, the Irish Daily Mail, elderly turn off fridges to save on bills. The elderly are having to turn off fridges and not use cookers uh, due to the steep rise in food and energy prices charities have warned, and of course right across the newspapers need I tell you, uh, pictures of Liz Liz Truss yesterday as she stepped up to the podium outside number 10 to announce her resignation. The Irish Times uh, telling us that uh, potential candidates for the leadership of the Conservative Party and the position of British Prime Minister were frantically seeking to uh, rally support last night after a day of unprecedented turmoil and circus indeed in Westminster which saw Liz Truss resign after just 44 days in Downing Street. We'll be uh, going to London and uh, speaking about that in just a while too. But, you know, if you want something to annoy the hell out of you today, um, I'm sure this will do so because you know the way the Children's Hospital project has run way over budget. Well, have a listen to this because part of the facade of the new National Children's Hospital has had to be replaced after it was found to contain substandard insulation and the K-15 insulation removed from the building was also used in the renovation of the Grenfell A tower in London where you might remember lots, I think it was 70 plus people, died in the fire there back in uh, 2017. But its manufacturer Kingspan, says that uh, the K-15 used in the hospital is fully compliant and fire uh, safety requirements are adhered to there. But there you go, the façade. Anyway, uh, has to be replaced. Guess who's going to pay for that? Guess who's going to pay for that? And also, of course, big news today. Um, a last-minute scramble was uh, underway last night to find space for incoming refugees after a major reception facility in Dublin reached capacity. Mm-hmm. And the Department of Children and Equality announced yesterday arrivals to City West would be paused, and that refugees were facing a night in the airport. However, sources at Dublin Airport distanced themselves from this, but a lot of people have predicted this over the last few months that while we embrace uh, Ukrainian Refugees into the country. There is only a certain amount of uh, accommodation available. You see, that's what it is. Anyway, do you have an opinion on any of that? You can text and WhatsApp oh eight three three double one double three double one. You can email tip today at tipfm.com. Fresh from his odyssey in Portugal, Johnny Luby joins <laughs> me now. Good morning, Johnny. Fun. How I are you it, today?
2: How are you all going? Flying uh, it, Frank.
1: Yeah, How, you were tired and emotional. You couldn't speak to us last week, Johnny. Um, do you want to tell us the real truth behind that?
2: Ah, oh, yeah, Frank, coming home to doom and gloom, and that is, and it <laughs> never old. stopped piddling rain from the day we came back. <laughs> that is unbelievable, really, you know, the, 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 the whole set of here, and then you see, well, look, his guess with uh, Liz Trusting, I mean, 44 part, days in office. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and Walden's mother knew that this was not going to work high up or low down.
1: Yeah, I mean, she was warned by members of her own party. I mean, yeah, no, and mean, they spoke out.
2: She carried no weight whatsoever as regards uh, saying things. And if you have to a backing of your own party, as, uh, as regards, and now they're talking about Boris Johnson coming back, mm. and between he coming back and Bertie Hilton coming back, mother of God, <laughs> the first night, bring back Liam Sheedy again. The whole thing, <laughs> the whole thing, just bring him back, you know.
1: Yeah. Uh, the big I, comeback. I, I,
2: yeah, I talked to old Boris was okay, you know. I used to enjoy his old bit of a... Uh... Did you? Uh, I did. I enjoyed his speeches and things like that. At least he, whether he was right or wrong, a great friend of mine used to say, if you can't convince him, he says, bloody well, confuse him. <laughs> so Boris was at that. The whole
1: well, he time, certainly you know. confused everybody. Anyway, but, that's uh, for sure.
2: He, yeah. I mean, 44 days. Well, she'd probably get a pension out of it as well, but it has nothing to do with us here. But then you when you pick up the paper, and you see Bertie said this and Bertie mm. said that. he mm. trying to get him back in after we're trying to get rid of him. A man that hadn't even a bloody checkbook. Mm. You know, I'm going around singing uh, uh, to try and raise a few pounds uh, abroad in England. I yeah. mean, it's a, it, it, the whole thing is. But unlike no, no, no,
1: yourself, Johnny, he was lucky with the horses at least. <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh, friend! mention the horses. I must yeah. mention, yesterday I went over to Tulloch, we went over to Tullus. Yes. What a set-up they have there now. The whole run, which is like a runway out of Shannon Airport, where you park the cars and the whole lot, they have put in some amount of work there. And the real country people uh, at this time of the year, it's fantastic. Tullis to me is always uh, in my book, it's the start of the winter time, with a lovely breeze blowing across from famed, uh, uh devil's base, mm. uh, and uh and the catering, top class, and everything else. And uh, look, it, it is the place. It's on every second week, uh, and that is the place to go. You meet the real country people, and from the amount of people that were asking are you coming back again for the Christmas meeting, I said I don't know. That is the 18th, 18th of December. Well, last year they actually ran out of
1: racehounds. It's a uh, uh, magnificent festival now, that, you know. I, British, uh, I, you know I, we're, we're losing a little bit, Johnny. I'd say you must be standing in the wrong place on the Forkney Road. There are you? Could no. You?
2: Fred, I, need I'm back on now I am
1: yeah, you, you are you're a little little Listen to me we'll go on anyway you were saying uh, about uh, that uh, sure. they sold Tullers. out the cards at Christmas time did, last uh, year yes yeah.
2: last year and uh, this year again they're aiming for uh, another huge crowd and it's the same uh, every time. everybody seems in good old form uh, and the sun was shining yesterday we knew was the day beforehand that The Berlin was desperate and of course this morning the same way but tunnels but just looking yesterday and I suppose when one looks at the class of a horse that's running down the mountain uh, most of a time where the likes of William Mullins, which Aloha, Hospital won twice in Tulles last, G- last year of the year before, went on to win in Cheltenham. So it's certainly a, a tremendous uh, training ground for the likes of Cheltenham. And of course, the ground itself is top class. Whatever kind of a surface is in Tulles, uh, mm-hmm. uh you, you do seem to get the top horses. And just did one of our old Mouse Morris, Michael Mouse Morris, uh, uh, had a out there for Brian Edgison. And... Uh, uh also for first time yesterday back at the race course. We met uh, Henry de Bromhead after his uh, ah, son tragically yeah. uh, being killed in down in... And mm. the pony racing, you know. He's an absolute gentleman mm. and a lovely guy.
1: How is you know, he get on at all, John? Oh, look, I suppose
2: it's like uh, Dan Quirk with, uh, and Hazel with their own yeah. young man, uh, Dylan. Like, Dylan yeah. uh, you know, it is unbelievable what they're all going through. Mm. And look, they have their good days and their bad days, I suppose, when they think of what would happen now, yeah. you know, that yeah. kind of way. So, look, our sympathies and our thoughts are with them the whole time, you know. That yeah. a fantastic scene
1: back yesterday. For sure. We have a hurling weekend to look forward to, John? Oh, yeah,
2: friend! look, listen, I must have one go at the county board. How <laughs> for, in the a name of God, for a change. For a change. How in the name of God have they the county final on as half past four on a Sunday evening? In my book, it's an absolute disgrace. When you have two country teams, Kildangan and Kildangland one in the final, and you could say a farming area, Tipperary, how in the name of God are the farmers going to put in cows at what, I don't know what time, because if the match goes on at half four, if it ends in a draw uh, I presume there'll be extra time another 10 minutes or a quarter of an hour and if it goes to a penalty shootout it could be 8 o'clock before you get back to Kildangan, and Killruan or to the open the road in Golden why they didn't put it on at 3 o'clock it's the glamour competition in Tebrary always has been and uh, to me it's disappointing right they'll tell you to have it on Tina G listen friend. if it's on Tina G I probably will be watching the actual picture and listening Do a tip FM broadcast. Yeah, uh, and that. But to me, it should have been on at 3 o'clock uh, uh, on Sunday and let everybody try and get home by half 5. We have to think of people that uh, uh, like, were able to streamline it. Is that worth uh, their semi finals and quarter finals and everything else for ten or You can watch the matches. And I, and that I don't know. If the rains come teaming down, which they possibly will, and we have a premier intermediate final between Ross Gray and Burton Hoogh, then go on prior to the county final, will the pitch be cut up? To the less for the yeah. glamour competition, uh, and this, look, I don't know. Nobody consulted me to see would be on at three o'clock. But then again, I would be the last man to be consulted. <laughs> but I just wonder yes. uh, if I need to tip really. County board offices are up. I've no doubt Mr. Flight is up since 7 o'clock looking out at the lovely hills of Clare uh, on his, on his uh, uh, walk. From, from but, Bird uh, Hill, yeah. Yeah. You know why the, the match isn't gone at 3 o'clock? Why do we have to wait for Tina G to promote our holiday when it's promoted? And is, is, is that hurling?
1: what determines the time? It's TV availability, is that it? yeah
2: I would think so that Dina G probably got on to him and spoke to me in Irish and maybe confused him and the whole thing <laughs> I don't know but to me the man, I, tell you, I wouldn't win there at half past four on Sunday it's as simple as that Frank right. uh, I'd have went in at three o'clock and I know many more people would be of the same opinion they're going to miss it because they have plenty of work to do on a Sunday and we have to think of everybody in this That's situation so and awesome. in really we should think of our own but anyway half the congratulations to Clanwell Commercials on their marvellous victory in the county football final. Against Upper Church Combein, I met many of their uh, uh, parish uh, people in Elvoor, uh, and we had a good old crack in uh, O'Grady's and down in the Leinster House and all of that. Uh, wonderful time. I like, met Petty Ryan, he of uh, Upper Church. Public and, mm. and uh, uh, he asked me who was uh, with me, so I, he said, I'll get you another drink I said, There's oh, seven or with me, so I put in another seven or so I think I'll say about 16 people. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, I can say that now, but listen, uh, when I actually changed the culinary skills, you know, Portugal is wonderful for, especially that area around El Vaux for its, uh, uh, around the beaches for its uh, sardines, and, for, and, all sardines yeah. and all of that. Yeah. You see, and I was having these uh, Portuguese lamb shops. And I got to know your man inside out, chef, and, this. and I saw where he had a deep fat fryer. So, a few people around the restaurant they knew me, and I said, Watch this, lads. So, I just said to your man, no, my deep, my modern tree lamb chops have to be done in the deep fat fryer.
1: Oh, Johnny. Oh,
2: yeah, uh. no, no, no. He says, Man, you can't do that. I said, "I, You, you just do it. I said, And I produced a fiver. There's a fiver in it for yourself. <laughs> now, if I was a fiver's a good tip for a chef. Jesus, friend, he put him in. What? Well, they're a smoke being a liquor restaurant. <laughs> but when they brought him back out, they couldn't believe how nice they were. And mention culinary Skills, who booked me up there as an MC, Tom Egan of the and Jockey. Go on. Yeah, he's doing some kind of a cookery demonstration and he wants me to uh, be there, he said, because he, he believes that I am class back uh, <laughs> on or come shift on every he last so, me back a second time or not he's
1: so you're going point. to host a cookery demonstration.
2: That's right, yeah. Well, I, I, I think, I don't know whether he's going to let me host a whole lot or whether he has to get double insurance uh, things like that. <laughs> but, uh, look, I look forward to it. I'll I have more news about it in the next week or two. But, uh, anyway, friend, I'll be a shy, if you come over on the night, there'll be a shine of you because you cannot be muzzle a deep, deep uh, fat fryer aisle.
1: But, Jenny, oh, you're not going to promote deep fat frying on a night where there's a culinary, a culinary demonstration <laughs> happening, frankly,
2: one never knows what I will do, you see. But the TD called me one time, the unpredictable. You see, he, says, he goes in to vote for me, he says, but I'd love to see the Poland Papers. But, uh, yes, v- right.
1: Vinny Savage was on to us, Johnny, just to inform you, and this is going to make you feel really good now, that Liz Truss is getting a pension of 115000 uh, pounds a year. What does Johnny think about that? So
2: for forty four days. For
1: forty four days,
2: yeah. Sure, Trent is an absolute scandal. Uh, not alone over there, but here, what's going on? No, I mean, sure like, no. yeah. look, hey, da, look, you can write a bloody book about it and call it "Luby's Believe" or "Ripley's Believe <laughs> Believe It or Believe It Not." But what's going on every place in any place? And now I just help you yourself to read out on the papers. The uh, misfortunate people that are coming into the country and having to play yeah. lie down. Yeah. We actually said this six months ago. There's I know no problem know. taking. It. 100,000. Yeah. But where in the name of God are we going to put that? Yeah, I know. You know, but nobody seems to care, Fran. And that children's hospital thing, I actually reckoned at one stage when they all said 1.2 billion, I said it won't stop at 2.5. Now, first of all, will it ever go up? And if it does go up, will it stop at £4 billion?
1: Well, it's on the way up, but you're right, it's heading towards two, two £2.5 now, yeah, which he, is just he, incredible. Is
2: there anybody watching in the toilet? all? And did you see the front page of the, of the bloody paper, it says no smoking in parks or uh, at beaches yes. in plan yeah. And still at the same time, we see that drugs are being pushed in every town and street in Ireland, and nobody is able to stop them. But if Johnny Looby takes out a bloody fag below in Tramore or in Glenby, somebody will tap him on the shoulder. And here he is on the front page of the Waterford News, or Stubbs gives so, me a So you of a could you
1: can do heroin on the main streets of our towns, but you won't be able to smoke on a beach. You won't
2: smoke it, but he's saying. I mean, to, to me, there's something. And your friend, look, listen to me. I'm only nine, my my missus would say, you're only in nine yourself. You're <laughs> getting your blood pressure up and everything.
1: The Mullahon mo- ladies, uh, Johnny, they're playing at half past eleven in the Munster Intermediate semi final as well.
2: Oh, the very best of luck to are they're,
1: they're telling us you'd be well home to milk the cows on the Forbidden Road <laughs> after <laughs> that. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, friend, I will, yeah. But, uh, yeah, of course, friend. the Camogie yeah. County yeah. final is on. Between uh, Fame, Clonolty, Ross Moore, and, of course, and Inch, who are public won for three or four in a row. And they tell me that Drummond Inch are certainties. And that game is in the right. I'm hoping to get there because I had three pin-up girls. Uh, uh, and it doesn't seem to have brought them any. Look. My own missus, I had her uh, as a pin-up girl on the back of the door. Right. I had Maisie McDaniel.
1: Oh, my God,
2: Maisie. I've just gone back a long way now. Yeah, and, and, then I, and, and then I have caught the van and Catherine said, you'll better take down the three of them. She said, because <laughs> that's not bringing off any looks. so okay. Cart the van is coming down before the county final. And you had
1: Maisie McDaniels up there. Yeah. Oh, my God, there's a blast from the past. Yeah, the
2: blackboard, the, the, the blackboard of my house. Yeah,
1: she was married what to uh, Fintan Stanley, the uh, accordion
2: player. I can't tonight. Go, well, friends, and years and years ago, they used to give out the black and white cow. don't remember that when they'd be singing the photos of them.
1: Oh, yeah, that's right, yeah, yeah, the old band cards, yeah. Yeah,
2: you, you don't do that anymore, no.
1: Uh, no, I don't think so, no. no we have, we have uh, old handouts on right, yeah. Yeah,
2: we had a fellow working with us one time here at home on the family. He used to psych the Drum Keen when she was playing. Mm. And, uh, and he'd come back then maybe at five o'clock in the morning and he'd put Maisie McDonald up on the back of the the door of the bedroom and he stopped throwing dots
1: at <laughs> <laughs> at four o'clock
2: in the morning. When they were great bloody days. Oh, ah, they but, were great days.
1: Do you know that her daughter is still singing, which is great, yeah. By God above yeah,
2: tonight. Yeah. Well I must where are you playing yourself this weekend? I see could I invite you?
1: <laughs> Johnny, I don't know, would you believe it? I don't know. I'm not I'm not in the county anyway, I'm away. All anyway. right. To God. I can't God. Hey, remember. I
2: have course, heartiest congratulations to Sean Tracy's Hollyford there. They beat our yeah. team of mine that put me for 160,000 hits on that. Uh, uh, will you come out and bury him? That's es- a es- Ballangary uh, Clarehan game. Yes. and were beaten uh, in a penalty shootout by uh, Sean Tracy's on last weekend. I just see it on the paper and uh, commiserations to uh, Clarehan uh, but heartiest congratulations to the Tracy's. I'd love to have seen and going through because I might have got a few old Bob for uh, doing the uh, shall call it again, doing the uh, f- uh, the final, but as regards the county final on Sunday, who do I think will win? Well, outside in Elbor, the black and white flag of the magpies is heartily flying over uh, the uh, Leinster House Bear, and uh, of course, that's the magpies of uh, Kilowan McDonald's. I'd love to see him win, Frank uh, our Frank, uh, simply because it's is it, is it all of 36-odd 36 36 years ago since they won a uh, county final? Of course, they were, yeah. were All-Ireland yeah. champions, whereas Kildangan have won it for the last uh, maybe two or three occasions in the last seven or eight years. And uh, whilst uh, I've got all time for K- uh, Kildangan, I'd love to see uh, Kilroan McDonald's doing I might as well nail my uh, uh, off to the in that he And, uh, friend, uh, of course, the, uh, the uh, ladies qualifying for the World Cup in soccer.
1: Right.
2: That was absolutely magnificent.
1: Wasn't it fantastic? What did you think and about the, U, uh, the Ra,
2: though? I thought France was absolutely brilliant. <laughs> I did. I, after I sang it myself in Gordon. Listen to me: is this. When Ireland are playing England in Broadway. Drug- <laughs> Yes, and the English lads stepped off on the far side. Many of them that we know, and indeed, often in Cheltenham, when an Irish horse beats an English horse, uh, we'd be sta- uh, stand up and we'd we'd, we'd sing maybe uh, 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 the Galti Mountain by, like mm. your men sang above in Croke Park when Tip won the All Ireland from All. That was absolutely wasn't fantastic. brilliant, yeah. And that and that, but as the girls oh, way up the rail, listen to me, as this is. To the mountain out on Mole Hill, mm. they just sang a bloody song, and so be it. Was a joyous occasion They're in the uh, World Cup and the best. The, Absolutely, the very best. but the
1: amount of nonsense that went on about it, right.
2: it was unbelievable. Yeah. You know, there's uh, like, look, like I was just going back to the the English guys when they sing uh, the the we'll say the swing low sweet chariot. Yes, yeah, and we we answered in well, by you can shove your chariots. you know. <laughs> but like, yeah, part, but that's a the-
1: slavery song, isn't it? I don't know what it is. Mean. yeah. That's a, that's a slavery But you
2: yeah. look, it has been part of their thing. That's the, the, the swing low. Yeah, yeah. that's part of their thing beyond their So Look, yeah. listen, of, look, you're talking about a country that can't hold on to a bloody Premier. <laughs> uh,
1: <laughs> I have a message for you, Johnny. It says, tell Johnny there's no extra time or penalties on Sunday. Tell him go back uh-huh. to Port, go back to Portugal and come back in a better mood.
3: Uh, I wouldn't be surprised
2: if Mr. Fla- I, I don't know. Look, that somebody at least, Fran, that's the one where you'll always rustle a shoe feathers. You'll know who gets up in the <laughs> morning to listen to me. But that's still not answer something. Why isn't it on at three o'clock?
1: Yeah, yeah. We don't have an answer for that now.
2: You see, sure. that, uh, but of course you know and I know that he's G G and they're probably getting a few quid and they're entitled to a few quid and if they're not in, and if they're not getting a few quid for it then the match should have been on at 3 o'clock. That's in my honest to God's opinion. But look, friend, when you're talking to a man from the Forkney Road, some fella said one time he's not a full shilling. So <laughs> we have to go along <laughs> with that again.
1: <laughs> somebody wondering what you're pontificating about. There should not be smoking, says somebody, on the beaches where there's children and crowds around. The amount of butts shoved into the sand is absolutely disgusting and Johnny should know better.
2: But your friend, look, I agree with all that and I would be the first person to say that this government should ban cigarette smoking altogether and uh, see where will they come up with their uh, 100 million a week that they have invest, where are they going to get that money now? They don't give a tuppany hoot about John, Johnny Luby's health and thing and the whole lot. Yeah. And which is far safer, is it uh, smoking a bloody fag on the street or is it uh, 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 promoting drugs, pushing and everything else? Let's get the priorities right. That's yeah. my opinion. And Jay,
1: they're, they're, they're picking on you today, Johnny, because uh, so, somebody is saying, why would you worry about farmers, Johnny? What do they do when the ploughing is on for three days, for God's sake?
2: Well, you see, uh, look, you see, there's always somebody will come up with uh, 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 something, isn't there, there? Like they get in a relief milk or whatever else, but in this particular case, we're talking about a County Holland final, uh, and that it is the glamour competition, and you're trying to get them into Tullis, and that, and uh, on at half past four, friend, and they're not getting back until half past seven or eight o'clock in the pitch dark, youngsters and everything else. The match. But anyway, friend, me or you won't change that.
1: Awesome. I, I think we might have an apology uh, to you, Johnny, from the yeah. county board. It, it looks very official to me and it says apologies to Johnny for not consulting him, but we heard he was unavailable for the past week. And we I'm note no explanation for his absence this morning. <laughs> he was demanding <laughs> for the county final to be fixed to suit him. We expect seven to 8,000 in attendance, but thousands more who cannot attend can now watch for and free to air. And they're delighted with themselves, Johnny. No. 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 Okay.
2: That I, looks I, official uh, to me now. I, I, that's very official. <laughs> uh, uh, but any of friend, this looked the very best of luck to them. I'll probably go to the Camogie tomorrow to shout on my beloved Canalty uh, Ross ladies. And when you think of Canalty Ross uh, friend in West Tipperary, you have Knockavilla Hickams, who are seniors, yeah. and Canalty Tis- yeah. Ross Moore. You have Anna Kiroux, who are seniors, bordering uh, Canalty Ross yeah. You have Cashel. Uh, uh, very strong ladies camogie team senior uh, can all only beat them a pint and they're bothering as well and then you're going to uh, the likes of Drum and Inch and that who have in my book a huge Them, I'm not knocking them they have tremendous girls there from uh, uh, Lockmore Castle and the other areas around uh, and Drum itself and they have been the full the, uh, models uh, for the last number of years, and uh, that there'll be a big crowd in the rag on uh, Saturday. And uh, friend, will I be recognised? I
1: don't know. Oh, I'd say you'd be recognised. You better make room on that door, by the way, along with Maisie and the girls, because Anya in Pecan says she adores you. So you better <laughs> make room for for a picture a picture of her. Yeah. Uh, let me see. Well, oh yeah, tell Johnny that Silver Mines are killing all under fifteen B county hurling final in Templemore on Saturday at one p.m. Come on, the mines. It says.
2: God, come to Commander minds, And this down is a plan in West Tipperary and South Tipperary. We seem to be the poor that would urge the uh, West Board and the South Board to uh, come up with a good plan to... Uh, our youngsters uh, well coached in the uh, hurling and football in whatever way they can in the various clubs uh, they need an extra hand in my book from looking at our representatives going out in the younger 12s, 13s 14s, 15s and 16s uh, and all the way up along because uh, certainly the North are dominating and that's brilliant for them but it's not hectic for ourselves and uh, that. it's going to see we'll say, the South team or the, or the West team uh, winning a county title in uh, uh, particular age group. Uh, t- it's brilliant, you know, but uh, uh, the the lads are very strong uh, in the north and in the, the mid. Yeah, and, of course, yeah. they tell me that the, the county minor final that was played in Golden last weekend where a huge crowd came there, that Holy Cross, uh, an expert was telling me in the game of hurling and that follows the game of hurling and he wasn't from Holy Cross. His exact words were there was, there was good a minor team that ever came out of any parish. And, of course, friends, just mentioning the whole at the Beach, our beloved my kerkey Boris in yeah. the uh, county final. And I was in uh, Two Mile Boris uh, just evening. We called in there on the way back from the tallest races. Uh, and the crack was top class in, uh, what was the name of the again? I can't think of the bloody name but it. Uh, and there's only two of them there. But uh, we hadn't the chance to call into the two of them. We only called into one. Uh, and that, and Fran Dare, and I just said, Does anybody know Fran Curry? They said, What oh, man? <laughs> That's exactly what they said about
1: you, friend.
4: Yeah, I'd say they that.
2: Told, they I'd told me, that. That, like a greyhound, they told me your back breeding and every bloody thing else, and I know it all now and Oh, someday.
1: Lord. And you'll someday use it against I, me, I would imagine, oh, as well. Friend, yes, you're you coming know. to our awards on Tuesday night, aren't you?
2: Oh, that's right, Jeff, yeah, friend. Please yeah. God, I've that knocked off. But listen, I've got to mention Alison and uh, my beloved Skeena Rinky, and it must, a ver- it must have been a very top. Competition last year in Tipperary, where Skeena Rinke won the uh, Junior A and went on then to a Munster title and were beaten by their neighbours, Bally Gibran, who were actually in the Cork. Uh, county final, I think, of the intermediate hurling. And here we have Skeinorinke in the county semi-final of the intermediate hurling here. So it must have been a strong competition last year. And the very best I've looked to Skeinorinke on, uh, I think it's on tomorrow in Borland, where you truly will try to get to Borland and then get to the reg in gotcha. whatever order it may well, be. So,
1: say hello to our Ali, who will be there on the sideline, you can be sure.
2: Well, what's the name of that girl again above in Port Road that I must put a, a pin-up on?
1: Anya. On you. And, and it's not part oh, it's, oh, hold on, it's Pecan, isn't it? Oh, yeah.
2: Pecan. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. Friend, whatever became a that woman in London that was going to mess seven mornings a week when I was on at 11 o'clock, and here she gave up going on a Friday morning <laughs> at 9 o'clock.
1: <laughs> I haven't heard from her since, Johnny, so... <laughs>
2: So I, I would, know. I would tell that woman, "Will you go to mess and don't be listening to uh, <laughs> the, the Shiites?" Do you know that crowd out the there? The Shiites,
5: <laughs>
1: yeah. Very good, yeah. Now before you insult loads of our listeners, I'll go away and uh, look after yourself, Johnny. And we right. look forward to seeing you on Tuesday night. Take it easy. Oh yeah,
2: please God. Where's it on again? Oh, it's, it's
1: it's on in the Anna Hotel in Thurles.
2: Oh, geez, friend. That's yeah. yeah. Or or hotel. Right. All oh, right, yeah. friend. We'll,
1: right. We'll right. send. We'll send a, a limousine for you, Johnny. Thanks
2: very much. Right. Good thanks, luck,
1: thanks. Johnny. Bye bye. Bye bye. The great Johnny Luby there. Eighteen hundred nine three eight double o seven. The text and WhatsApp is oh eight three three double one double three double one. Friend, it seems we won't be able to have a smoke on the beach Or in the parks in the future, but it's okay for councils and Irish Water to release raw sewage into the rivers and lakes and the sea up and down the country. We can also use and uh, deal drugs in town centres, and that seems to be okay as well. It's a pure joke, says Brendan, who's in Ross Grey today
6: down. tip fm's tip today with fran curry
0: in association with slatteries of Pacon tipperary's main peugeot dealer slatteries garage Pacon, the name you can trust for over 50 years in the premier county slatteries garage.ie
1: listener says uh, great to hear johnny survived uh, the limerick clare crowd in alvor in portugal particularly in grady's and all the doggy slagging and abuse about the coursing uh, as well uh, another listener on to say that uh, good morning friend would you mind telling Johnny that Killadangan uh, only won senior county final once says Marie so that 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 put him in his place Marie that certainly did um, yesterday we spoke to Barbara about the price hike in groceries and shopping around for cheaper bargains and uh, Deirdre was in touch with us about food prep and waste and the like and she joins me now good morning to you Deirdre good morning um, how important is it to prep and to avoid waste, do you think, Deirdre?
8: Well, I I think it really cuts down on price.
1: Does it? Yeah.
8: It does. Um, where would I start? You can buy in bulk. Mm-hmm. Um, even you can buy reduced uh, veg, fruit and vegetables um, that uh, certain sir certain supermarkets have, mm-hmm. and prep them, um, or freeze them, mm. and I find they last much longer.
1: Right. And is there a considerable saving by doing that, Deirdre?
8: Well, in this house it is. Yes. Okay. Because um, I, I was buying fruit and vegetables before, and if they weren't prepped, you leave them in the fridge. hmm after a few days, you look at them and they're they're in a sorry state.
1: Mm. Uh, so the they were thrown out. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Which is a, yeah. yeah are, are we wasteful? Do you think in this country? Are we very wasteful? Do you think?
8: Yes. Yeah. And I would be one of those as well, oh. or maybe I was. I'm not as bad, but.
1: And is that because the cost of living, Deirdre, has gone up so much that you're more conscious of this? I suppose.
8: I was. Always very conscious, mm. but now I suppose more so. Right. Um, I think we go a lot by used by uh, the yeah. dates yeah. on things, whereas there are certain things you have to stick with mm. the date. Mm. Chicken, especially, yeah. pork, you know, things like that. But fruit and veg, no. Mm. You know, they really are, and they could last a good few days after the the date.
1: Do we overshop as well? Um, you know, th- bu- buying too much stuff, overestimating how much stuff we need?
8: Um, maybe. I, I do my shopping
1: online. Oh, do you? Okay.
8: I do. Right. Okay, so I don't overshop. Oh. Um, because if it comes to a certain amount, I go back over it and I say, do I really need that?
1: Oh, very good. So that's how your budget is so proper. Yeah. Okay. yeah.
8: Whereas if you go into the shopping shop now, today, for instance, I run out of fruit or veg, so I would go in. Now, I could be a, a devil now today if I saw a few things, but right. I do try not to, to uh, buy.
1: Right, but there's a very good point I hadn't thought of. Oh, if you go in physically to buy stuff in a shop, you're tempted by all the various things around you. Where if you're doing it I online? Am, I you, am anyway, yeah. Yeah, you, you you stick to your list, I suppose.
8: Yeah, I have a list. Your budget. Yeah. I write down what meals we're going to have for the week, what ingredients I need, and I buy those. Mm.
1: And have you seen a huge cost increase across the board?
8: Yes. Yeah, there has been a big, a big, big increase. And you don't realise it because every few weeks, maybe they put two cents, five cents on it, and then all of a sudden at the end of the month, some item has gone up maybe by 50 cents. Wow. So, you know?
1: Yeah, so it's by stealth in in, in some ways here. Yeah.
8: Yes, yeah, that you're not really, you're know, you not really seeing it, but
1: um, And what about just, the cheaper outlets that we all uh, know and love? Um, do, you, do you even see an increase uh, there?
8: Definitely. Uh, do you know what? uh in certain things, I don't think there's a big difference. Um, in one of the big supermarkets at the moment, they have a like-for-like like with, uh, with one of the cheaper. Mm. Um, so there's really not much difference. Is there not not? In their own brand now. Okay, yes. Their own yeah. brand, items.
1: Right. But uh, your, your advice to people is, anyway, do, do a bit of prep, y- use the freezer, oh, I suppose, yeah. and yeah. maybe look at the notion of, of shopping online.
8: Well, I found that I have cut down my
1: sh- my the amount I spent. very interesting indeed, Deirdre it was great to talk to you today. No uh, yeah, and look after yourself and thank you for coming on with us. Uh, that's Deirdre speaking to us about how maybe you could save a few Bob on the shopping. We'll be right
0: back to you in just a moment
6: it matters to us. Call Tip Today on 1-800-938-007.
1: Well, the fight is on to find a new leader after British Prime Minister Liz Truss yesterday announced that she has uh, resigned uh, after 45 days in office. Now, Tory MPs are deciding whether to back the likes of Rishi Sunak, Penny Mordaunt, or even Boris Johnson. Uh, if there's more than one candidate, there will be an online vote for Conservative Party members. Now, Bernard Purcell is uh, editor of the Irish World in London and joins me now. Good morning to Bernard. Good morning, well Thanks for your time this morning. It all, all happened rather quickly uh, in the end uh, with a very brief address indeed to the people of uh, the UK. W- was it tenable at all, though, really, uh, after what happened over the last few days?
5: No, not really. People, it's like people, MPs who voted for her is... Um, well they didn't actually vote for her as leader but yeah. MPs who entertained her candidacy uh, before it went to the party membership uh, knew full well what she was like and they knew what her record was like and they spoke quite um, frankly and damningly uh, of her but nevertheless she became leader and then once the fantasy budget started without any kind of uh, plausible audit and caused uh, panic on the markets it was inevitable from there I mean, you saw her budget being shredded and yet you still had a party. Party uh, that had a large core, always looking for a betrayal narrative that seems to be irredeemably split. Part of the seeds of that were sowed by Johnson in his departure, and also when he took over, he purged the party of any kind of uh, credible talent and a broad range of views, so that it became very much of that uh, pro-Brexit fantasy. Um, and the European Research Group and the Institute of Economic Affairs, which was the organisation. Uh, quite shadowy, but it's one of several based in Tufton Street here that uh, promote hard right, uh, Chicago school of economics uh, theories that have long since been discredited in the rest of the world.
1: We look then to uh, another leader and again in a relatively short space of time and yet somebody else to do do this. Rishi Sunak seems to be um, the out, out front by, by quite a bit, but what, what about your thoughts on that and particularly with the talk about Boris Johnson?
5: Well, Johnson apparently already has 50 of the 100 uh, nominations that he requires, but um, I would have thought Johnson would want to uh, to have the path uh, garlanded with rose petals before yeah. he uh, stood for an actual election. Soon he um, is supposed to be holding out some kind of olive branch to Sunak. A lot of uh, Johnson supporters in the party uh, blame Sunak for Johnson's departure, even though Johnson still has uh, at least two inquiries waiting to report on his conduct, uh, one on to Parliament and uh, another longer term one on his uh, handling of COVID. Uh, So it, Johnson's return would not end the problems in the party, especially looking at Johnson's own personal polling. Uh, he wouldn't be returned as an MP uh, in his Uxbridge constituency. But also, there's a poll published today which continues a theme that we've seen in polls in the recent uh, weeks, that uh, if there was a general election today, the Tories, as of today's poll, would not get even one seat. Now, uh, however realistic that is in terms of an actual general election, we don't know, but uh, the polling is uh, very, very ominous for them. Um, Gus O'Donnell, the former Cabinet Secretary, and uh, who was John Major's press man and used to run the Treasury, uh, he has uh, intervened today and said that uh, they really do need to have a result by Monday or Tuesday uh, with somebody who can unite the Conservative Party. It's not clear uh, who among the candidates who is a credible Uh, candidate for Prime Minister could necessarily unite the party. Some people see uh, Penny Mordaunt as the least offensive. Uh, Some like Ben Wallace, uh, the Defence Secretary and Suella Braverman, who would be very divisive, uh, wants to stand by all accounts, although she said she's uh, taking soundings. the first ballot of MPs will be held between 3.30pm and 5.30pm on Monday. If there are three candidates, the candidate with the fewest votes will be eliminated. The result announced at 6. If two candidates remain, then the indicative vote will be held between 6.30pm and 8.30pm on Monday. The result will be announced at 9pm. Then, at last resort, it would go to an online vote to the party membership. Uh, the provisional uh, timing, as I mentioned to uh, somebody earlier today... Uh, for the result of the twenty eighth of October, it should be noted, uh, is also the feast day of Saint Jude,
1: <laughs> patron saint of hopeless cases, is it? Indeed. <laughs> the um, The elephant in the room, I suppose, has to be uh, Brexit, really, because I mean that that that's really at the core of a lot of these issues. Would you agree?
5: Absolutely, without a shadow of a doubt. Uh, Cameron abandoned the party after uh, he took a disastrous. Um, throw the dice to supposedly unite his party because he had the anti-European feeling, expecting that he might win but uh, made no preparation for whatsoever, left the party redeemed, uh, divided in the hands of so-called identity politics. Uh, even Labour and Keir Starmer are uh, too terrified to address the question of Brexit, which is not even about the issues of economic trade and being a single market anymore. It's whether you're a Remainer, remoner uh, or whether you're um, a Brexiteer. And that has paid dividends for the hard right within uh, the Tory party it was, and it was something successfully exploited by Johnson. Um, so what we have had since then is the triumph of kind of fantasy politics and wishful thinking uh, and pandering to people's prejudices or to people's sense of self you could argue that it's post-colonial, but it's been a long logical outworking and diminution of um, the standard of politics, certainly parliamentary um, and certainly within the Tory party. One of the things Johnson did when he came to power was purge the party of any kind of broad range of opinions yes. and any talent and any experience. And we're seeing the consequences of that now when you look at the range of ke- perhaps. The most feasible candidate, given the response of the markets to him, would be Jeremy Hunt, Uh, but he has ruled himself out. And uh, Johnson, who is quite vengeful, petty and vindictive, hates Jeremy Hunt, and uh, um, so his supporters are actually being um, encouraged to continue that vendetta, whether or not Johnson becomes uh, Prime Minister or not.
1: The the next leader, I mean, you know, the notion of the global Britain that emerged from... From Brexit. I mean, it should start really with building some sort of a relationship with those on on their doorstep in in, in Europe. And there's a lot of bridges to be mended there as well, is there not?
5: Anyone, yes, you're quite right. And uh, there's a lot of goodwill um, on the side of uh, Britain's European partners because uh, Britain, Europe is better with Britain than without it, as we've seen in the past. Um, Johnson is not trusted um, because of the lying and the uh, breaches of good faith, so uh, it is very difficult to see how he could build those bridges because nobody takes him seriously, believes him or trusts him. Um, they could... We saw even with Liz Truss, when Macron invited her to the uh, that Greater Europe uh, conference the other week, having rather kind of grossly insulted him at uh, just for easy yep. laughs at a uh, rally she suddenly had her head turned because uh, the, the cleverer, uh, more sophisticated states made her feel welcome and she enjoyed being on the international stage there so she became much more uh, emollient and we saw as well that having said one thing as we've discussed in the past to her hard right ERG about the Northern Ireland Protocol, pragmatism came to the fore once in power if it served its purpose to uh, rally those people is possibly one of the reasons that she put Chris Heaton Harris and um, Steve Baker in there so that they would all whatever compromise or climb down eventually comes. Um, So uh, most candidates would see, as you say, the need to build bridges and be pragmatic. It's uh, something that has in the past defined British politics and indeed even the Tory party, but um, pragmatism and competence have been in short supply since Johnson rose to the fore.
1: That's uh, that's, uh, for sure. You spoke about uh, fantasy economics and the like, but do you have any concerns at all Um, about the way the markets will uh, domineer what's happening in politics and maybe even who politicians are.
5: Well, the markets responded because um, both Trust and Quartang went out of their way to uh, get rid of any experience. And uh, Tom Scholar, who was the most senior official at the Treasury and had actually steered... the government through two crises, including the banking crisis and the COVID crisis, uh, but they didn't. It, they wanted their year-zero approach, so they got rid of him. Uh, they were not prepared to publish the uh, their homework or their working out uh, with the Office of Budget Responsibility report, and uh, the markets uh, are not sentimental. Um, they could see, they could sniff. Um, uh, a discredited uh, blag, for want of a better term, because I mean that whole Chicago School of Economics has long since been yes. discredited. Um, you look at uh, the transition from Reagan to Bush to um, Clinton. Um, Clinton introduced tax rises to fund uh, to undo the damage that was done uh, by Reagan when he subsidised tax cuts for the very riches. Um, Truss and uh, Quartin were co- hoping to transpose that directly to the British economy, the unfunded tax cuts for the very rich and hope would trickle down, which uh, even the most uh, voracious, red of tooth capitalists, recognises uh, a discredited uh, economic school of thought. So um, it should be noted that the market stabilised when Hunt uh, made reassuring noises and uh, even watching Liz Truss in Downing Street yesterday as she made her announcement from the podium. If you looked at the top left-hand corner of your screen, you could see the value sterling rising, yes. which must be uh, which tells its own story. Yeah,
1: even though I thought there would have been a bigger reaction from the markets uh, uh, on her resignation. Um,
5: they saw it as inevitable. Yeah. It's been seen as inevitable. Um, and it, you,
1: I think the cliche I use here is it was priced in. Yes, yeah. It's interesting times ahead, uh, that's for sure. If you were a betting man, I'm not sure if you are or not, uh, Bernard, but who would your money be on?
5: I honestly don't know, because any the, the events of the last couple of years um, have always, they've set the bar low, and I've always thought, no, it can't go any lower, and they have. Um, a plausible possible candidate, I mean... I, it would possibly be Sunak, uh, as he's been shown be, to be have been vindicated, but you're never forgiven for being right, necessarily, particularly in this atmosphere, um, and he does appear to have some confidence, but he does not have the hearts and minds of uh, the parliamentary party, necessarily, or of the rest of the party. Uh, the best outcome would be a general election, but that seems highly unlikely, yeah. so we're likely to have A little more of this, and then uh, uh, we're going to go through a period of fairly uh, austerity, too, as it is known. Um, So it's going to be bumpy, um, and we'll just get used to yet another new normal.
1: Bernard, it's always a pleasure, and we appreciate your time this morning. Thank you, and good morning to you. That's Bernard Purcell there. Bernard is editor of The Irish World in London. And, um, yeah, it's going to be very interesting to see what happens. And, particularly, of course, uh, to be parochial about it, uh, we do have great interest in this because of the protocol and one thing and another. Um, All right, uh, news and information is on the way. Gourmina good Pat and uh, welcome back to the second hour of uh, Tip Today. Some of your texts to go shopping after dinner when your tummy is full, Fran. You won't buy half the stuff and no junk, says Mick. Um, B says she makes a very good and then when you're in receipt of uh, welfare allowance there's no waste because everything is just hand to mouth um, good morning Fran and Johnny enjoying the chat this morning here in the Banner County how are you? Great to hear from our friends in Clare this morning uh, tell Johnny that Port Row uh, Junior Komogi ladies playing uh, the county final on Sunday in the Rag against Moycarkey and uh, uh, up Port Row, says is one of our listeners. And thanks, Fran. You're very welcome. Indeed, uh, lots coming into us on various different things, and we'll package it all together and bring it to you. Very soon, is that OK? But right now on to something uh, completely different because of Stalworth in policing in Tipperary has been appointed as the new head of policing in his native county in a major shake-up of Garda management in the Limerick Garda division. Uh, Chief Superintendent Derek Smart, who was originally from Limerick, uh, took on his role in Thurles in 2019 and he joins me now. Good morning to you, Derek. Good morning, friend. And thanks very much indeed for, for coming on with us today. Uh, when, when do you take up your new role? It started last Monday. Oh, in Huddersfield, oh. so it started already. Ah, oh, very good indeed. What What is it like to be be home, Derek? Is is that? Ah, a good
3: it's, a, it's a great feeling to come home, but obviously that, that's what I'm leaving behind in Tipperary. I know I've, I really enjoyed my three years there, so it's kind of a little a mixed emotions, I suppose, between both of them. But but certainly. Anybody that, that gets to work in their hometown, it, it's a fantastic feeling.
1: Absolutely. Uh, you and I spoke shortly after your appointment back in uh, 2019. Did you achieve all you wanted to in Tipperary?
3: I would think that I, I, I got a lot of, of what I what I wanted to get done. Obviously, COVID was was a big problem that that it caused a slowdown in a lot of things. So I would have liked to get more done. In, in regard to that, but the, but certainly we we achieved uh, an awful lot of of the goals that I had set for myself and, and for the team there in Tipperary, and I, I'm very very proud of the results that that, that we achieved. Obviously, the, there are things that, that we didn't get done, that impact on, on people's lives, and I'm very cognizant of that, and I've spoken to my my successor in, in, in regard to that aspect of it as well. So there's more work to be done.
1: Is the big difficulty for you, whether it's in Tipperary or Limerick or wh- wherever somebody is chief uh, superintendent, is resources the big thing?
3: It, it certainly is, is one of the, the, the major factors that impacts on us. And we were lucky in Tipperary in that we got some probationers. You know, it certainly was in competition with other other divisions trying to try and get those resources, and it's the same here in, in Limerick in regards to trying to get as many resources as we can. Obviously, again through COVID, that our recruitment. Has slowed down. regardless of, you know, the, uh, there wasn't competition. I think there was a little bit slower as for getting off the off the, off the ground to those people through the through the college. But we're
1: certainly in the phone We're just losing clarity on your phone. I'm not sure if you, if you, you moved somewhere, Derek. But no. uh, oh yeah, sorry yeah. That, friend. Yeah, that's much better now. You're back to me yeah. now. Um, in terms of uh, Tipperary, um, was it a particular challenge because it's such a big county? I suppose.
3: I think one of the biggest challenges was were the resources in, in Tipperary that we didn't have have sufficient to do what we really wanted to get done. But using the resources that we did have, we did manage to get the, the um, DPSU set up in regard to that, which you think is something very, very important to get there to help our vulnerable victims and things like that. So, and we got an awful lot of um, very organized crime um, investigations over the line in regards to where people are charged and before the court. And we were certainly, I think, getting above our weights in, in regard to a lot of the investigations that we took on and brought to successful conclusions. <laughs>
1: The, the crime, particularly over the last few days on the on the program, uh, you know that notion again of uh, guardie on the beat because crime rather obvious to people on our main streets and particularly we were talking about Clanmel and O'Connell yep. Street and the like. Will it ever return to that notion of guardie on the beat? Do you think? <laughs>
3: I think it's something that we can't lose sight of and I think that's what certainly what COVID taught us again in regard to that was getting back in touch with our communities and seeing what our communities want and this is something that has come from the JPC very loudly that they want to see people on the beat. I want to see our, our members on the beat. But unfortunately, when, when numbers are quite small and then they have to respond to more serious incidents where they, where they cover very large districts on that, it can be challenging at times. But look, that's what we're here for and that's what the challenge is for us is to use the resources that we have available to us as best we can. And I suppose it comes down to this, the thing called smart policing. I suppose in regard to that, if that we use the resources exactly as, as, as we need them on us and that people need to see the guards on the ground. They need to be engaging with people on a daily basis to hear what is going on in their towns and the villages around, right around the county.
1: Well, that's very interesting to hear because you are still of the belief that that's the right way to go because sometimes people are confused about that and they see mm. guardy in the patrol cars and stuff. But if you had the resources, you would have the Gardie on the beach.
3: I, I would, certainly that I think it's the most important function that we perform, is the guard standing on on the corner of the street. Just to be that, and I would have had that right through my career. I worked in, in a number of villages, even around Limerick here in regard to it, and I would have always taken the time to try and get on the beat. But I appreciate the young members at the at the moment are we don't have as many resources as we would have liked, and they are being called and being to more serious incidents. They're covering large areas of, of ground, as we, you've said, Tipperary is of is, that county in regard to that. So it's trying to get that balance between the response to those, those serious incidents, getting patrols in the areas and getting mid-checkpoints set up. And so there's there's a lot of competing factors on, on members' times. But I think the important thing we're trying to instill, and I know the senior management team in Tipperary have been very strong on that, in regard to it, is getting people that visibility on the ground where they can see the uniform. And in fairness, I think that's the least that we, we need, we can... Should be doing for
1: our people. Uh, Superintendent Willie Leahy last week tried to explain to us as well because there's a lot of frustration out there and, and wondering why the Gardie can't walk down O'Connell Street and say, I know what you're at, come on yep. with me now. And he was trying to explain to us that, you know, you need elements of proof and all of that before you pick somebody up.
3: And that's the bottom line. Obviously my members are very much subject, as I am, subject to um, complaints being made and, and it, it's right that people should challenge us for the activities and for any, any uh, duties that we perform if they have a difficulty with the way we perform that duty. But as Willie's, has rightly said, you need to have proof if you are going to engage with somebody, people will be able to be conscious of human rights. And our own ethical behaviour and our own ethical standards in regard to deal, how we deal with, with the public. But it's being open with that. And I think the whole thing about seeing a member on the street, it, it people get a, a good sense of security out of that. and mm-hmm. I think that a lot of the work as well that we've done with the CCTV cameras, particularly we've gotten it over the line there for Feathered and Littleton and Boris again, they're only in the last week. That, I think, will bring a bit of security for people as well. And it's another area It means that we do have eyes on those streets in, in regard to issues that, as they occur and things like that. Mm-hmm. So they, that's the type of thing that we need to be getting getting in place.
1: But again, resources come up here because we heard about CCT cameras, but maybe not uh, people available to watch those screens on a 24-7 basis.
3: And that commissioner has been very strong in, in regard to his view on that, that, that we shouldn't have people that are obviously trained to be out and about and dealing with people and things like that, to be proactive on it, that they aren't sitting behind desks looking at cameras. But it is something that that is there as um, an investigation tool for us if something does happen in any of those villages or indeed on the the, the roads that go through those villages leading to the bigger towns and things like that. So it's, it's a fantastic tool that gives us a good bit of advantage, I think, in Ukraine investigation.
1: What happened in um, Monroe, where there was a meeting of people? I think it was it was about four four hundred people. Added um, people expressed their views very strongly that they were afraid in their rural areas, in their rural communities. Is is there more that can be done by the Gardaí to to do something about those fears? Do you think?
3: Well, I think we need to be getting. in. I know Willie was at that at that meeting, and then yeah certainly got the message across there that we need to be engaging with the communities in regard to that and again I know Willie has dealt with a number of other divisions around Tipperary that a lot of people at the meeting weren't actually living in in the Clonwell district on that but Willie has ensured that the superintendents in those areas have been spoken with as well just to make sure the message get out that we do have people in fear in, the, in within the communities we need to see people out and about and I suppose that comes back to the challenge of having somebody on the beat in Chonmel, when there somebody maybe in, in feathered is is afraid so they need to see a patrol car as well in that area. And it's trying to find that balance between all of that on it. But certainly it's what the, what our communities want is how we need to respond. And they need to see our policing response to that. Willie has a very robust plan put in place for the areas that, that were in, discussed at that I'm meeting in Monroe. And I was very happy with signing off on that before I left Tipperary on And I think that would give a lot of security and I hope it will give people more confidence
1: in us in, in regard to that. The quality of the force is vital to somebody like yourself uh, in in any area I guess. I mean our information is that 200 people were due to start in Temple Moor as recruits for example and there was only a, a, I think less than 30 people turned up uh, for that. Okay. Does Does that concern you?
3: It does. I suppose we're, we're, in, we're living in times now where people are not afraid to travel. They're certainly not afraid to come into a job for no, for four or five years and move on, mm. having got the experience from that role. But look, we're in competition with a lot of other multinational companies and indeed international um, businesses that, that are hiring people from here. I think I saw an advertisement there lately that the Australian police are now hiring as well. and that they We're right. looking yeah. for, for yeah. Gardaí to go for that and that's the challenge we have. So we have to make this job very attractive for our people that are in and then support them and their, their learning in regard to what we do on that. Because I suppose years ago, friend, a lot of people would have said it's, it's like a vocation. Yeah. getting involved in that, and I, I'm I'm very very proud of of the members that are in Tipperary, including the senior management team that have such uh, passion for Tipperary to make sure that the policing service that we get give to the people there is done. But look, again. Modern times and the challenges to young people at home, my own home, that are looking at, at, at jobs in different different areas of the world as well. And you're saying, all you can do is support them as best we can, but highlight but there are great opportunities here in
1: Ireland as well. Absolutely, even though I was reading in the paper today, I mean, one end we're talking about recruits, the other end is very experienced members of your team um, deciding, I don't mean your team in particular, but I mean with the Gardaí, yep. um, deciding to, to move out to, to the commercial world in, in in some way because obviously that's probably more lucrative for them as well and that must be of concern to someone like you, that you're losing such experience. And,
3: and that, that again—that's another challenge. But I think every every organisation in the world has that challenge at the minute. It's about making our organisation as attractive as we can do to retain those people here with it. But certainly, human nature being human nature, if people are getting these offers, then we can't really stop them in regard to it. Mm. But that—that—that that, that is, as, as I say, the challenge that everybody is facing.
1: Of course, it is. Is it becoming more dangerous for your your members, Derek?
3: More dangerous? I would say it's becoming more challenging. It is always a very dangerous role that we've had and we've lost, and I know you've covered it on numerous occasions on the show where members are injured and yeah. unfortunately members have died while on, on duty. And they, that, that has always been there. And that threat, and that's I suppose one of the things why I, I admire our young people so much is that they still get on with their jobs and do that knowing that that threat or that possibility that they may get hurt as a result of of taking on this, the role that they've chosen to take on. And we just need to try and support them. So again, I think it's very much making sure that we get proper equipment for them. At the moment we're working at that body cams, in regard to trying to get that legislation over the line as well, that would be another support for members going out there in, in regard to making sure they have the proper equipment and personal protection gear. In their arsenals to to deal with anything that, that, that they come and they confront on a daily
1: basis. Is it frustrating for you and your teams? Uh, you know, you pick people up, uh, you you put them through the system. They 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 go to court. They they get a slap of the wrist, and you see them again maybe in the next couple of days uh, around a town or a village again. Is is that frustrating?
3: I, I would say, Fran, that that's obviously the, the judicial system is, is, is completely separate from ourselves on it. And I think it would be, it would be remiss of me to be to be challenging that that view. I would always say to our young people that our function is to gather the evidence and get people before the courts. What happens after that, we can't control it. Mm. But once we've done our job to get them there, and that's the important thing is the gathering the evidence and making sure that, that we're presenting strong evidence to a court that a judge can base a decision on. So at, at times, I, I know it has happened throughout my own 32-year service. I've seen it happen in regard to it, but you get on and you get a, You keep going. And if somebody makes a mistake again, you bring them back before the court again. That's our function. That's what we're here for.
1: Can I finally ask you, Derek, I mean, we had you in situ in Thurlis. It's, it's a different setup now, isn't it? The chief super will be in Ennis now?
3: The Chief Superintendent's Office will be based in Ennis, but, uh, but Colum is obviously will be working between both as part of the operational model, the Commissioner, and, and the, obviously the government have signed off its government policy in regards to the, the, the restructuring of the organisation under the operational model. So Tipperary and Clare will be combined as one division with one Chief Superintendent over all of it in regard to it, and then it'll be divided, obviously, into community engagement areas as, as we move on through the next 12 months to getting that set up so Cullen will have to work his way between both offices in, in regard to Thurlis and Ennis
1: Would you be able to allay our fears about that because of course obviously the fear is that uh, resources might be more inclined to be kept in, in Clare and will suffer here in, in, in a big county like Tipperary
3: in in regard to there will be no impact on on the front line what is changing is the the management structure in in regard to that but certainly on on the front line remains as it is and the resources will go to where they are needed in regard to that and again that comes down to this I know it's been said to me before about people reporting or or not reporting incidents but it's vital that people report incidents that that have occurred, that they've seen, that that information comes into us so at least we can show, look, that there are whatever amount of calls for the Clonmel, Turles and Nina areas and that the resources then are, are assigned to those areas to, to deal with the types of incidents that they're dealing with. But the bottom, the reassurance I can give the public, no, there will be no change to the front line for Tipperary going forward as part of this model. The only change is on the management side of it.
1: Well, can I thank you for your service to us here in, in Tipperary and to wish you the best for the future. And you were always extremely courteous to us here in Tip FM and made yourself available to us, Derek. So we wish you the very best.
3: And again, Fran, it's just to thank yourself and all your listeners in, in, in regard to the support that we've always gotten. I think to be able to get our message out through yourselves, you've given us the, that opportunity. With I know that Margaret and Declan go on the show there every every two weeks in regard to it, that's a fantastic opportunity. And we really, really appreciate the support
1: that we get. Thanks very much indeed, Derek. Look after yourself. Thank you. Good morning you. to you. Bye bye to you now. That is Chief Superintendent Derek Smart moving on from his role in uh, Tipperary to his native uh, Limerick, and we wish him the very, very best. Indeed, eighteen hundred nine three eight double o seven. The text and uh, WhatsApp is o eight three three double one double three double one. Now, just in case I forget, I can I tell you if you're into singer-songwriter stuff, whistle this. It's a wonderful opportunity in Thirlis once a month for songwriters to get together and uh, show their wares, I suppose. So whistle this tonight at the Monks in Thirlis at half past nine. The host there, my great friend and wonderful talent that is Tom Lyons. And um, tonight... Uh, Bright Falls there. James McGrath, terrific singer-songwriter from uh, Nina. He's been on the show a few times. Uh, Eve Whelan is there and Dear Readers as well. So that's tonight at the Monks in Thurness going to be a great night of music. Half past nine there. We'll take a break. Back in a moment.
0: tip today with Fran Curry
7: with Slattery's Garage Puck On you can't beat experience with over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans we like to call ourselves the experts call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie
1: wow um, Patrick sent me a snapshot of his ESB bill wow wow I think it's just the two of you in the house Patrick isn't it uh, 628 euro. That seems very, very expensive uh, indeed. And I'm sure a lot of people out there are shocked by their ESB bill, by their energy bills in general, I suppose. In Down Your Way this week, Eamon O'Dwyer was at Racket Hall outside of Gray to celebrate 50 years since the uh, GA 8 Club won the All-Ireland Club final. He began by speaking to chairman of the club, Jim Macdonald.
4: Going back through the years, growing up in Gray, you've always heard about this 1971 team. and uh, Obviously, they're the first team to ever win the All-Ireland Club, and uh, that's one thing that can never be taken away from them. And it's great to have so many of them here tonight. Unfortunately, some of them have passed away. Um, namely, I suppose, in the last few weeks, our club president, Mick Hogan, sadly passed away last week. So, um, yeah, it's a good night, and it's great for the lads to get together again.
9: Yeah
10: indeed uh, I know we talked about this probably a year ago or a year and a half ago that this went one ahead and then COVID stepped in and uh, mm-hmm. took it all back but Isn't it fantastic to be here tonight to see no
4: COVID, no masks, no anything. It's great. It's, it's listen, COVID affected everyone and upset a lot of things and a lot of plans. But at the end of the day, when COVID came in, we postponed this dinner dance. It wasn't called off. It was postponed. So I think it's only right that we give the lads their, their night of celebration tonight, even if it's a year on from the Golden Jubilee. Yes, over 51 years. 51 years, yeah. I and mean, yeah, 51 years since we won the All-Ireland Club, yeah. Yeah, there's so many you, know, all the players, uh, you, you know, you've... Players of the
10: past and players of the present here as well, and of course the club is doing very well at the moment. Uh, on Sunday they're in the
4: in the county final intermediate. We are, yeah, we're in the county intermediate or premier intermediate on, on Sunday, and uh, it's great to see so many of the players here tonight, which shows that the club is in a good place. That um, the lads are willing to come out here. Obviously they won't be uh, they won't be having a few drinks or anything. They're just here to pay their their. Uh, their respects and their greatness and and celebrate with the 1971 team the team of the past and hopefully going into the years hopefully we'll be talking about this premier intermediate team if they can come over overcome a good curtain whole team so listen it's all the club is in a good place um we're good we're going well at underage as well we set up ross grey rhinos um for the academy this year as well we got we won the under 19a and the north we we're beaten in the final of the 17s uh, we lost to join our final tonight to, um Tommy Vara, a team of all stars. And you see Ken Dunn and Benny Dunn, Owen Breslan, Willie Ryan, Tony Delaney even came on and scored a pint today for him. So listen, it's... Hurling is good in Roscrea. It's, it's it's probably the number one sport in Roscrea, And there's a great support around Roscrea for it. Like, even the lads getting to the final, uh, the Premier Intermediate final, the sponsorship that's come true. And I would namely say one man uh, who's not even from Roscrea, uh, Jerry Kelly, who's living in Kilkenny, actually made a, a substantial donation to, to, the, to the club this morning even. So it's great.
10: What, what a fantastic guy as well, Jerry Kelly. You know, he has he's contributed so much around the county to different to different
4: clubs. Absolutely brilliant. I met Jerry th- this morning and I had um, tea with him with him and the great Mick Minogue and we we're down in the E fifty three in Square. We had a cup of tea and we had a chat and uh listen I told Jerry this is on tonight and uh, he's more than welcome to come and join us and thankfully he is here tonight and he has joined us and he's going to stay tonight and uh, from what I see already he's really enjoying himself getting to talk to all these hurlers of the past who he'd really know, he'd know them very very very, very well like. I think listen the club is like the facilities we have up there, the lads before me had organised the stand and we had the grant got for the, for the ball wall and we put in a scoreboard this year and we're in negotiations for the last few years to buy, buy land behind the field and hopefully come into early next year that deal might go through and like I think that's what we need up there we have so many kids up there playing in the club we've only one field and you kind of find it hard there's a bit of juggling to go on through training sessions and some lads can't train this night and it's it's very hard to cater for the amount of kids and and adults we have playing the game on one field so like I think uh, a big thing for the club would purchase the the field beside us and uh, hopefully that'll be go ahead in the next year anyway All all guns blazing tonight aiming for a great party and listen once everyone enjoys themselves and, and listen that's what it's all about and hopefully then the people will get out and support Ross Grey, people which they always do, will get out and support the lads on Sunday in the county final and hopefully we can come back, go back up senior I think where we belong and who knows what will happen then. Yeah and could be a bit of a problem
10: but uh, you have uh, the senior game on as
4: well on Sunday. Yeah Hoo will be a problem for us I think from what I see and what I've heard are a very good team they're a physical team We've had a few tests during the year as well, like the Bookies have us installed as favourites since the start of the year, but like you never go by the Bookies. Um, Cashel were as well favourites to beat Burgess and they they were defeated. And then obviously it's a great double header of Killer One against Killer so it's great for the North having both them teams in the county final as well and I think that'll be a very, very, very good game and probably a tight game as well. I think it'll be good good festival of Ireland on Sunday in, in the Semple Stadium. So who do you call
10: it for the Cena game?
4: She's, you, know, you have me on the spot now, I mean, I know a lot of the on lads and I know a lot of the Killarone lads, but listen, I... Let the best team win. Let the best team win and listen, at the end of the day, it'll be it'll be a good game for people to watch, for the, the likes of myself, the neutrals. I think it'll be a good game to watch. Uh, Joel Kindy, the be
10: Chairman of the County Board, uh, here at this function here tonight in, in Rosgrave. What a, what a special evening.
11: A very special evening for the Gray club and, you know, um, it's a historic night, you know, 50 years since the one... They're all Ireland titles, so it's it's a great night and a great buzz around here, and delighted to be here.
10: Yeah, I was just saying earlier, uh, you know, kind of fantastic to, to be here. No, no mess on anybody. Everybody talking and chatting away.
11: It is, yeah, and I suppose for two years we we've lost out on these occasions, and obviously we were in the dome there a couple of weeks ago with the same group, and we, we we're we we're twelve months behind where we should be. So it's absolutely fantastic to come here and let everyone enjoy it, and you know, no restrictions on us and. Uh, anyone who wants to attend can attend tonight
10: Yeah Absolutely uh, I suppose the GSN is kind of coming close to
11: a uh, kind of conclusion maybe in many ways is it? Uh, it is uh, and I suppose um, at, you know at, at club level in the county like we have a county football final tomorrow and uh, uh, then on Sunday week then we have the hurling finals but yeah. like there's still there's still more there's, there's under-19 finals and junior finals and things to, to the weeks after that so there's a lot of activity going on um, mm-hmm. so but like obviously next tomorrow and next sunday are the two big ones for for the the senior hurling and the senior football final so we're expecting great turnouts or both
10: oh, that's indeed we can talk about
11: for, for the couple of years you have two years now in the chair uh, what's the highlight of, of those two years well, sure, I, I'd have to say the highlight for myself was presented a cup to my own tub last year. But, like, and I, I, then obviously this year the, the county minor win. But I, there's lots of little things along the way and we're doing doing a big job in Morris Park at the minute and re- refurbishing the dressing room. So, um, phase one of that will be finished by Christmas, we hope, and then we we, we hopefully have plan permission, got to do phase two, and uh, that'll be finished by Easter, we hope. OK, that's all in Morris Park. That's all, in Morris Park. Yeah, so you know the uh, those dressing rooms were built in the early 90s, and like with more the, the county squads have got bigger, and the Morris Park is used more. So the dressing rooms there weren't really fit for purpose anymore they served their purpose for a long long time so they were in need of refurbishment and so we've extended the dressing rooms and we put a the storeroom on to the end of it and there's a small gym there for the minute and we hope then to build a meeting room and a proper gym there uh, if uh, in phase 2
10: Lovely,
11: well tonight I suppose for the most part is about uh, Ross gray club and 50 years since uh, the first one the all Ireland club final what an achievement? Uh, a fantastic achievement you know and um, you know, if you read back on the, on the history of Ross Grey in the late 60s and early 70s and right into the 80s, there were a dominant club both here in North Tipperary and in County Tipperary and, you know, they had fantastic teams and lads who played for Tipperary for years and, you know, um, really the, it, it's, a fanta- it's great that they actually went on and won a Club All-Ireland and, and possibly, you know, we're looking maybe not to get back to a couple more with the teams they had, but um, you know, there's great competition in these things, but, but like, there like a lot of fantastic teams around, you know, and Kilran came, a- came in the middle of them and came after them, and they were very strong too. So, you know, I-, I suppose you'd have to give great credit to the men who wore the jersey and won so many county finals in that period.
1: That's a great uh, Eamon O'Doir at Racket Hall there for that celebration of 50 years of Ross Grey GAA Club. You can listen in full uh, tomorrow morning from 10 o'clock and it's always a marvellous, marvellous show and it's steeped in uh, community and it's the very, very best of... Real local radio. I'm sure you'll agree. Eighteen hundred nine three eight double o seven. Uh, the text and uh, WhatsApp is oh eight three three double one double three double one. Tom Carew is in says, "Friend, you better be careful, or Johnny Luby will take over your program." <laughs> well. There are mornings, Tom, when I'd say he's welcome to it, but there you go. Um, Molly uh, was on to us to say, Fran, my hubby has to eat different bread from me. And this morning, when he opened uh, his bread, we discovered that. Wait wait till you hear this. The slices are smaller. So we're all ripped off in every way, says Molly. Isn't that incredible? And and I presume it's the same price, Molly. And uh, one of our listeners is wondering about Patrick's bill uh, as well, wondering, is it an estimated bill? Or was it red? I don't know. Maybe Patrick might uh, get back to us where that is uh, concerned. We'll take a break and we'll be talking about uh, a couple of things on Netflix with Andrew in just a few moments.
6: Tip FM's Tip Today with Fran Curry
0: In association with Slattery's of Pecan, Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer. Slattery's Garage Pecan, the name you can trust for over 50 years in the premier county. Slattery'sGarage.ie
6: Join the conversation in Tipperary. Contact us through Facebook, Twitter or email tiptoday at tipfm.com
1: Now as usual on a Friday uh, Andrew joins me in studio and we'll talk about uh, some stuff on well particularly uh, today we talk about Netflix as well and Dahmer is yeah. is forced? Uh, would, yeah. you, would you tell us? Would you bring us up to speed on that? Uh,
12: I think most people know about it, and uh, you know, uh, I, I know about him a long time. I guess you probably do too. A lot of mm. people are just learning uh, about this guy uh, because I've got an unusual appetite as well. So I mean, I think that <laughs> yeah, yeah. for serial killers, yeah, it? yeah, no, no, for food. Oh. But, <laughs> whoops yeah no look I think everybody knows a little bit about this guy uh, Jeffrey Dahmer Um, so we won't go into the details Um, critics are saying Fran uh, that this show is likely the most most accurate uh, kind of look and rendition of him because there's been a lot of stuff uh, in the past now, before we kind of uh, look into it a little bit, you found it particularly upsetting. I, I,
1: okay. At the beginning, I couldn't get fa- past the first yeah. episode because I found it so upsetting, very dark, yeah. really, really dark and mm-hmm. gritty and uh, and real. Yeah, very real. Yeah, so this is the way it's shot. I think it's. Uh, um,
12: it's we we watched it, um, and I felt after the first episode, I didn't, I, I didn't find it as as uh, quite as upsetting as you. But what I did find was, I thought. It's, it's, boring isn't the right word. I just thought that it wasn't going anyplace. It was slow. It was very, very slow yeah, at the start yeah. and um, very dark. I mean, obviously, the whole thing is quite dark. He's a serial killer. This mm. is this is Jeffrey Dahmer, who's the serial killer um, who was picking up gay men in the area where he lived and he was drugging them and he was killing them and he was saving parts of them for his for his dinner and his tea and stuff like that. I don't know how else to put it. So he was um, Mm. into cannibalism and I think that shocked people more. I mean, America's had its fair share of the Bundys and the people down through the years. But I think of what he was doing with the uh, with the bodies and the remains was, was quite yes. upsetting for
1: people. You know? And it did go back and show his childhood, then now we want to be careful about spoilers as well. I know. Members, that's when it got better. Yeah. Yeah.
12: That's when it got better. When and that's when I started to enjoy it more when it kind of looked at his childhood. Yeah. And a, a lot of the stuff that we probably think we know about about these kind of people, um, he was intrigued by uh Roadkill mm. and, and all that kind of thing. And I mean very unhinged guy the only thing I'd say uh, uh, about it is that um, you know people the title of it is The Monster Mm, mm, Jeffrey Dahmer mm. or something and we have this thing about these people being you know monsters Mm, or mm, uh, that word evil mm. and no matter where you live and, and you find out about something somebody doing something horrible you expect them to look different. Mm, mm. And of course, the people you pass on the street or, or, or meet yeah. in the supermarket every day. You expect them to look monster-ish. That doesn't sound too stupid to say that, yeah. but we, can, but we, we have looked, this thing in our head. But if very, very ordinary, nor- wasn't he? Ordinary guy. Yeah very intelligent, very articulate guy uh, because if yeah. you if you can get yourself on YouTube and look at some of the actual interviews But with I, him.
1: is the common denominator, and as you say hmm. you've watched and read a lot of stuff on the, yeah. on these guys, uh, is the common denominator a, a, a strange childhood, maybe an isolated deprived childhood of some sort? Is that the common denominator? Uh,
12: I don't think always. And I mean, I'm going to say the obvious thing here. There's there's lots of children that, that have deprived childhoods yeah, yeah, and, and they don't turn to this. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I don't know. I mean, I think, I think the most charitable thing to say is that, and, and that's what I was getting to about the monster thing mm. and the evil thing. Mm. I don't really agree with this monster evil thing. I, I think it's a mental health issue, mm. and I mean it has to it has to go back to that, and whether people didn't pick up on it in his childhood that he was a little bit unhinged or something. We we've seen it time and time again. Now the childhood, and then the childhood thing. I suppose I mean it's it's relevant. I mean he did have a very uh, strange childhood, but then he's got a he's got an older brother, which. Do you know what's interesting about the older brother? Nobody knows anything about him. Mm. So, when this happens, that uh, happened all those years ago, your man changed his name. Mm. And you'd think now on the internet and everything you could find out, there is nothing. People don't even know if the brother is alive. Yeah, the father kind of cashed in on it and yes. w- wrote, wrote a book or two on it and did, you know, the late night shows and all that kind of thing. But the mother and the older brother disappeared. They disappeared. Yeah. They disappeared. Now, um,. And there's nothing about it. He changed his name and uh, obviously he didn't want to be associated with that for the rest of his life. Right. So he, he walked away from it. But then again, the brother grew up in the same house and had the same childhood and that's, that's the difference. I... Look, yeah, It's I, incredible, I, isn't It's it, incredible. Right? Look, we, we didn't really get into yeah. to it because there isn't a whole lot to tell. I think people know the story. You, you rightly said about the uh, spoilers. Mm. You don't want to give too many spoilers, but I mean, I think people know.
1: I think it's you largely know, people know the a known story. story yeah. I mean, I,
12: listen, I don't think this is a spoiler. Uh, he, he obviously got caught. He went to jail. And of course, he was killed in jail.
1: Right, the the mother. If memory serves, the mother of one of the victims though had an issue with it. Did Did she know with the Uh, documentary or the film program?
12: I think so, Um, and I I think that. uh, Well, look. What I'd also say to you, too, is I think when you talk about the families of, of the mm. deceased and, and the victims and that, I think now that's it. I don't think they should do anything else on it. I mean, they've, it's been done. Right, this and it's is been, it. I, yeah. I, I, I think so. Look, it makes for uneasy watch. times. time there's to an, an appetite
1: seven. for all of this.
7: And
12: Everything on Netflix and, especially yeah. Seems, yeah. To, seems to be... Um, Serial killers and... And there is an appetite for it. What, what, is, it, what is it
1: about us that we seem to. It's, it's voyeuristic stuff, isn't
12: it? Is it is that you know? we seem to want to consume it. Do you want to play a piece? Yeah, look, it's only a bit of the trailer. It doesn't tell you a whole lot, but it just gives you a feeling of it, you know?
0: You need a second chance.
5: And this is your lucky day because I'm going to give it to you. And on the other side of this, hopefully, you will have learned your lesson and you'll get your acting. man tried to kill me. You're saying there's nothing you can do about that? Yes.
7: I called you for months, For months. Somebody is being killed. Well,
12: That's interesting. That's your one that, that was living down the hall from him. And she yeah. was she was ringing the police all the time. Yeah, because there was a smell. There was a smell. Yeah. There was one guy that got away, yeah. that managed to get away. And again, yeah. I, it's not really a spoiler because there's so much stuff going on there. And he ran outside mm. and a police car pulled in and there's no delicate way of saying this but I think he had drilled into this guy's head so, so this guy was obviously obviously hurt and he seemed confused and everything because he had been drugged and all and uh, your man came downstairs or came around the corner from, from the off-licence put his arm around him and said it was like a lover's and tiff. there was
1: a family there at that yeah. time that were incredulous that yeah. the police allowed him to bring him back allowed it, it. and the police
12: laughed at it yeah, I know do you know what I mean and and uh, It's it's bizarre. Listen, it's on Netflix. I mean, I don't know if it's your cup of tea. Um, It's obviously not yours. You didn't go back to it, no? I did. Oh, did you? Well, I
1: went back to it because I knew you and I were going to be discussing it. And I found it an easier watch with the second Not as troubling at the start. Not not as troubling, but uh, still very, very gritty. Uh,
12: Jeffrey Dahmer's story, uh, 10 episodes on Netflix. It's streaming now. A lot of talk about that. What else have you got first? So, The Watcher. So, look, it was you that kind of put me onto The Watcher. It's incredible. Um, I, I've i only done a few episodes, mm. so I'm, I'm going to hope that you can help me a little bit with this. It uh, premiered on Netflix on the 13th of October. Uh, seven episodes available to stream now. Based on a true story, I did, of course, go down that rabbit hole. I don't know did you, and look up the uh, true story. Yeah. Na- Naomi Watts is very good in it. Actually, she, she, she I like her anyway. After a family moves into their dream home and begins to receive threatening letters, do you want to play a clip of that? to Give people yeah, a feel, a feeling let's, let's do of that, that. First, just a absolutely, feeling. Absolutely, yeah. Dearest
1: yeah. okay. new neighbor at six
3: five seven boulevard, allow me to
7: welcome you to the neighborhood.
1: Of the house, I have been put in charge of watching
3: you. This message
12: will not be the last. I am the watcher. Yes. <laughs> That voice gets me. Oh, it's incredible Doesn't voice, it? isn't it? Absolutely so I'm, incredible. I'm, I'm going to depend on you to tell us more about this because I'm going to go back to i only done a few episodes. I'm going to go back to it tonight because yeah. of the night in tonight. And well, well to you're right. It.
1: You're, you're talking about the, the, it's a dream home for somebody yeah. in the family in the suburbs mm-hmm. um, and it it seems perfect and stuff. And they, mm. they move in and then they begin to get these... Uh, these letters from The Watcher, essentially, and they're some very strange neighbours. And and by the way, can I highlight, I'm not sure, did you pick up on it, but Mia Farrow. Yes, that's right. I thought she was was fantastic. Absolutely brilliant. Absolutely Absolutely brilliant. brilliant. Uh, As an off-the-wall kind of professor. But
12: but for a a true story... um, was there a little bit of uh, poetic justice with I, uh, the, uh, By
1: all accounts, there there were because the well, original people don't want anything to do with it. They don't this, want anything so they, to they do won't with it. They wouldn't even do interviews about it So anything.
12: the true story is that these people did move into a house. It very did a lot of trouble with. with this went on. So mm, yes. the premise of it, it did happen. But would, are we to believe that the? the all the neighbours were that strange.
1: Was was it as bizarre as it is it? Well, that's that's what we don't know. There okay. was poetic license taken, but we don't know how much. But even if only a portion of this is true, what that family went through is incredible. Yeah, absolutely incredible. Because
12: I read, I I actually ended up reading more about the true story than I did, and I will go back to it, Now we might even touch on it next week, just just very briefly when I see the rest of it, because I they had terrible trouble selling it. Yeah, and tell then, us about that, the the family. I didn't do too much. They were the original. Family. They were, and they managed to sell it. And but this thing continued about these very odd things happening, and this letters and strangers. Now. Of course you've seen it all. Did they No I didn't see it all. No, oh, did you? Well, not? I just
1: have a few few <clears throat> episodes left, yeah. But we
12: were watching Do we find out episodes, in the end? You know, like look, it's a who done it thing.
1: So do we find right. out in the end do we know? The real story the the, right. the actual story is they didn't find out in the end. Oh right. Right. But I don't know. I don't know okay. about this. And anyway, even if I did I wouldn't spawn it. No, no,
12: of course, of course. Yeah. I I wasn't too sure uh, um about the first episode, uh, I, I'm definitely getting into now, it now. Was, it was too American apple pie for me. Do like, yeah. you know what I mean? But that's what it was. Perfect family, It, perfect it was the perfect family, you, you know, uh, 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 white picket you. fence, yeah, yeah, whether yeah, they had yeah, one or not, yeah. that kind of a <clears throat> that feeling, you know. And uh, it was too perfect, too lovely, beautiful wife, all that kind of thing. Uh, only things you could hope for. And uh, <laughs>
1: <laughs> I'd like to disassociate myself from this the implications?
12: Um, but it was it was that real you, you know that real American thing, and I just thought I don't know about this you yeah. know what I mean but I, yeah I'm into it now and, and I'm, I'm going to watch it more uh,
1: do, but every time you think you have a grip on oh I know now what the story is Yeah, you're completely upended
12: alright okay completely upended. It, I, I felt that uh, I even wrote it down here that I felt it, it went off in a kind of a bit of a tangent
1: from uh, time to time the neighbours were nuts. Nuts, yeah, uh, I know. And and they'll prove to be even more nuts as you watch more episodes. How of far it. into it are you? Uh, I think you I have know. two episodes left.
12: How many episodes? Until I might have it written down I'm here, not don't I? Sure. I'm not sure. Uh, oh, I thought I wrote it down here. Okay, yeah, well, I, I'll certainly go back to that. I'll, I'll definitely do two episodes
1: uh, uh, yeah. tonight. But we'd love to hear from listeners out there, by the way, if you've been watching The Watcher. And, uh, if Domer. so, Or, or Dahmer as well, yeah. Uh, I, I often wonder about the pronunciation. I, 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 I keep getting that wrong. Is it da- Dahmer? Dahmer. Dahmer, okay. All right. Um...
12: Then. Oh, we yeah. don't know you got a couple of yeah, minutes. No,
1: we've got a couple of more minutes. So tell me about this. Okay, I watched, I watched this, movie, this last night. It? Look,
12: uh, this popped up last night, and I did what I always do, and I'm sure uh, I'm not the only person. So The Stranger popped up on the Netflix last night, and I had a couple of hours, and I, I went and Googled it, and it uh, Rotten Tomatoes gave it like 92% or something. So I said, that's it, I'm in. Uh, Netflix, The Stranger. I can't tell you a whole lot about this because I will be ruining it for people. It's a, a crime thriller uh, set in Australia. Um So basically, well, it's a movie though, not a series. It's a, sorry, is it? it's a movie. Okay, it's a, sorry, right. it's a movie. So it's uh, it's it's they they're suspicious about this guy that a child went missing. They're pretty sure he did it. They don't. They have no way of proving it, and they set up a sting, right? And it was like the whole police force uh, bringing him into a circle and pretending that they were somebody else and getting him involved in crime and getting basically getting him to trust them until he actually spoke about what happened and the events what happened and what's very interesting and of course I always do this I always look up because it's uh, oh sorry it's a true story as well based on a true story okay. and it's it's something that they they were so it's in Australia but the Canadian police have used uh, this kind of sting method before the Canadian police came and showed them how to do this and to do it well so you have these police that actually become actors and become car- p- part of this whole thing you know what I mean and if I tell you any more I'm going to kind of ruin it right. you can play the clip and it just gives you that the, in kind of feeling of it you know okay, what I mean lots of sense.
1: okay oh. Whole operation hinges on you getting closer
12: with it. I oh, know you f***ing know this. Don't find yourself in terrain that you aren't familiar.
13: Hey, do you want me to teach you something that I learned at work? Close your eyes and you got to breathe in. And when you breathe in,
3: you got to imagine that you
1: Just no. thinking that if people take our advice on these yeah, three, yeah, um, the, yeah it'll, it'll be the, very dark. The, it'll yeah, be yeah. a dark weekend, and
12: and I realize, <laughs> you know, I realize that audio doesn't tell you a whole lot, but I just wanted yeah. to give you that feeling of it. It's uh, it's very dark. It's it's a thriller. It's it's a movie. I would recommend it. It's something to look at over the weekend. I think you'll enjoy it if you enjoy that genre. Yeah. of stuff, which is yeah. basically what we've been the, talking the about today. The Stranger,
1: then, it's called. The
12: Stranger, stranger Dammer, and of course, uh, both of you and I are enjoying The Watcher, so that's the a watcher good that's a as one too.
1: Well. As I say, a dark weekend ahead for, for people watching <laughs> movies out there. Alright, thanks for that, Andrew, and uh, Andrew with you every single morning from 6 o'clock, every weekday morning, indeed, from 6 o'clock. News and information's on the way. Thanks, Pat, and uh, you're welcome back to Tip Today. Eighteen hundred nine three eight double o seven. The text and WhatsApp is 0833 uh 11. The Watcher has seven episodes, Fran. The estate agent buys it. Are you doing a spoiler on me now, though? Um, let me see. Let me just read ahead on this in case we destroy it for some people out there. Okay, no, I can't read out the rest of that then. Um, Watch the series 1883 by Taylor Sheridan. It's unbelievably good, says uh, Mick Burke, who's in Feather today. Um, uh, James and Carrick agrees that the Watcher is absolutely brilliant. So there you go. Water outages. Don't talk to me about water outages. We didn't have water at home around Anacarty from yesterday, and this morning it wasn't back uh, either. So we said choice words this morning about showers and stuff like that. So oh eight three three double one double three double one. It's time for our Friday panel. Delighted to be joined in the studio by Alison Devere Hunt uh, from Cashel Mart. Carl Clancy is with us for the first time, the Everyday Mystic, the columnist with the Nationalist newspaper, and Conor O'Brien is with us as well for the first time, Finance Professional, among other things, indeed, and you're all extremely welcome. And thank you for joining us uh, today. Can we get the whole Liz Truss thing out of the way first, if that's uh, okay? Um, can I start with you on this, Connor? It certainly was a a bit of
13: a circus over the last while, hasn't it? Yeah, I think it's been much of a continuation of the circus that has been British politics since 19, since 2000 or 20, 2017. Yeah, I mean, there's been instability in the markets, in the politics, in the whole in the party structures. I mean. You couldn't probably name the last five Prime Ministers of the UK. I mean, it's just been a whirlwind of, of circus and, and chancellors of the Exchequer, etc. So it's no, no surprise that there's this uh, level of uncertainty and turmoil still continuing. Mm. And it'll continue to happen until they figure out how they're actually going to manage Brexit.
1: And that's the thing, because that is the elephant in the room all the time, isn't it? That's at the core of everything.
13: 100%. I mean, the UK have isolated themselves now as a standalone, away from everybody, trying mm. to form these alliances. And I think the realisation is coming that, or is finally coming through, that we actually need these people as our partners. And to think that you can live in isolation and live in your own bubble and then have all your cake and eat it, I don't think that really is going to sit with them too well. Yeah, I
1: think it was the editorial in The Times today that made that point. If they want to be global Britain, surely you start on your doorstep and have a decent relationship with the EU, Mm -hmm.
13: Exactly. And, I mean, it's the people that they've... they've Hitched a wagon up to forty years ago, and suddenly decided the wagon was no longer suitable, so they tried to unhitch. But they've relied on so many other ties to Europe yes. that it's almost impossible to prise the fingers out of the pies. And th- there's a lot of benefits to de- to Europe that they kind of refuse out of sovereignty or claims of sovereignty to to acknowledge. So it's hard to see how how they will ever resolve that until yeah. they figure out they're a hard a hard hardcore, but a, a good solution to the problem.
1: Yeah. I feel sorry for the the people,
13: particularly people in northern England and stuff, who were sold to PUP. completely Absolutely. Sold to PUP. Sold to totalize. And yeah. the Nigel Farage sailed off into the sunset and people were left there saying well, we thought this was going to solve all our problems and now we've got no food on our it's, tables it's, and it's no incredible. truck drivers. And, and before
1: I move on can I ask you something that troubles me a little bit? Okay, you had Liz Truss and her fantasy economics and all of that, but the notion that the markets can... Uh, direct politics, or even you know, annihilate uh, a, a prime minister. Does that does that
13: concern you? Um, I I don't think there's it's as direct a connection as you're making. I think the fact is that, as you said, Britain is in part of a much global economy, and the fact that you want to try and radicalise your taxation policies and how you manage your social, your social welfare, etc they can't just ignore the financial markets because that's where funding comes from. Mm -hmm. All the trading, I mean, all the the global share trading that goes through London is phenomenal. Yes. And if that market is unsettled, you saw how much the mortgages went up in the space of a week. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's insane. So, this fundamentals of democracy and politics and financial markets is stability. And if you can't give that stability and, and rock-solid fundamentals that, yes, Britain can, sta- can stand on its own two feet and can pay its debt when it's due, then they've got no credibility and this, it's, it's inevitable that the interest rates will go up. Connor, what do you think of this? Do, do you
1: follow what's happening in English politics or in British politics, or do you care one way or the other?
9: Um, largely, I look at politics... Um the way you might look at an ant farm. Yeah. I like to look at it, but right. I don't invest that much time in it. Right. Um, it and are does, you cynical about it? I wouldn't say cynical, but it's certainly very pragmatic that politics is going to happen mm-hmm. and wheels and deals are going to happen. And what happens in England is going to affect us. Mm-hmm. It's, and you, you can't get away from that. I mean, all our prices for raw materials have gone up mm-hmm. in construction. A lot of that comes through England. Mm-hmm. An awful lot of our imports and exports are through England. Mm. So, yeah, it affects us all. But on a day-to-day level, most people aren't going to look at English politics and go, oh, no, Liz Truss mm. is, is out now. That's going to create greater instability and push my prices up even more. Uh, people in business will. Mm. But the, the average punter on the street, like me, is going to look at that and go, I'm sure there's a very good meme now to cover this for today, <laughs>
1: and, and there's a few of them from yesterday. And, I think, but, yeah. but
9: that's it. it yeah. it's, it's 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 laughing at the instability.
1: Yes, but it's um, it has been soap opera ish though, hasn't it? Over the well, last well, it, it while. has I mean, ever since it, really,
9: ever you know? since the beginning of Brexit. Yeah. It's it's been an absolute soap opera. But right. then, when you put Boris Johnson in power, yes. I mean, that was the, the greatest. Bit of trickery from a very clever man mm. to actually get himself into power. Yes, how with, he managed that a huge should mandate, be
1: a, a huge study mandate from 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 <laughs> uh, the people. Uh, Alison, what what are your thoughts about this? Have you been sort of bothering too much about this over the last while?
14: I've been kind of glancing with one eye over it. Yes. Um, now there's talks of Boris coming back again. Yes. You know, I suppose it's a time, and I don't think there's pro- it will happen for a general election maybe in the UK. Mm. Um...
1: But you know, of course, the Conservatives don't want that to happen. No, they don't. But that's, seemingly, with today's figures, they wouldn't even get one seat.
14: But you see, the thing is, is incredible. I suppose we see a bit of that here too. You yeah. know, the people aren't getting their voices heard. Mm. Um, and it's it's not the, the country of the people anymore. Like, I suppose there was different r- reasons why the UK decided to leave Europe. One, I suppose, was the huge influx of immigrants, um, which it, we're seeing all throughout Europe now. Mm. And... That is a cause for concern. And they're like with their flights to Rwanda and everything, they're hitting a huge amount of barriers. But, you know, I suppose they're the first to leave. Mm. So there was always going to be ramifications. The EU are not happy about it. You looked at the elections in Italy a couple of weeks ago and Macron threatening, you know, yeah. say. Mm. So like there's a lot of bully-by tactics going on.
1: Mm. Yeah. And uh, the notion that it would even be considered, though, that Boris would make a comeback is is kind of says it all really. Anything
14: that? can happen now. Anything can happen. You know.
1: now. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. All right, let let us move on from that because I think we've spoken enough about about that uh, today and let's just bring it all uh, back home, because uh, some people making an interesting point that what hope has the likes of Clonmel and other towns in Tipperary uh, for sorting out the business of antisocial behaviour and drug dealing and drug taking and all of that when you see what's happening on O'Connell Street in uh, Dublin? Do you want to start uh, that from me, Carol? Um, antisocial behaviour to such a point in Clonmel that we've been inundated all week. We've been sent videos, yeah. of really disturbing videos of I've, what's happening I've, in the
9: town seen the video. It yeah. made the, its way around social media. Um, surprised? Not particularly surprised. I think that what we're seeing in Dublin, we'll take that as the, the, the start point, is a replication of what we saw in Dublin in the 80s. And I was in Dublin in the 80s, and I saw and lost people to heroin addiction in the 80s, in the, into the 90s. And then with the Celtic Tiger, that, there was an upswing. And what we're seeing now is more social dysfunction and the real thing that we're seeing on the streets is more of a reflection of what's happening off the streets. Yes, we're seeing the addicts, the the poor wretches on the street. Yes, we're seeing them dealing. That's the very end point of addiction. Addiction is sweeping not just Clonmel. It's all across our country, but it's not even us. It's all across Europe. It's all across America. Addiction has become a huge problem. And ease of access to drugs and the reasons why people are taking drugs. Because there's always been recreational drug Mm -hmm. use. Mm -hmm. And with recreational drug use comes that amount of people who then uh, fall into the trap of addiction. Because your brain wants the opioids. And what your brain's trying to substitute is the dopamine it's not getting. And dopamine is what you get when you do something that gives you a reward. And if you live in a society that doesn't have reward and constantly tells you you're not good enough and constantly tells you you're a day behind and a dollar short, you're not getting your dopamine. And so people right. turn to other places to get right. it. Right,
1: so if you're not fulfilled in some way, whether it's Absolutely. in your personal life... That's where, that's life, where addiction starts. Yeah. Now, I know that people will be screaming at the radio, you know, there's people in the past who were not fulfilled in their lives, they had difficult lives, they didn't have a penny to throw together, but they didn't end up Absolutely. drug addicts. So what, what's your answer to that?
9: I would say that there's always a cohort of people who will fall through the cracks... Um, there's a cohort of people who became alcoholics, even though 99% of us don't become alcoholics. There's a cohort of people who will always be more susceptible, and those people, because they're more susceptible, become the addicts, become the wretches. Traditionally, we have a stereotype, mm. and the stereotype is that the addict is somebody who comes from a poor background, a dysfunctional family, poverty, mm. social lack isolation, lack of education, all of that, lack yeah. of education, perhaps abuse. Mm. And they turn to uh, drugs as a method of alleviating that misery. So they take that misery that they can't control and they replace it with a momentary feeling of feeling good, which creates another misery, but at least they can get out of this one from time to time. And that's the the start.
1: And is it... An issue now that we always knew there was this underbelly of society, uh, but now we're seeing it on our main streets. We is are. is that what's causing all the outcry now, do you think?
9: We, seeing it is what's causing the outcry. Yeah. But what people don't realise is that dysfunction is happening everywhere in our society. Our teens are being raised in a dysfunctional society. And the young people of Ireland will tell you, and I have four children myself, and they will tell you, it's easier to get drugs delivered to your house than it is to get pizza. That you can make a phone call, go on Snapchat, and you can get them delivered to your house. And it's no longer the poor, socioeconomically deprived people in marginalised areas. Drug use is now something that's sweeping all areas of our society. The people that you don't expect to be drug users. Uh, I remember in the 90s, Jerry Ryan, uh, on his radio show, did a sweep of Dublin pubs and they found that every Dublin pub in a one-mile radius of O'Connell Street had cocaine in the toilets. Whether it was a working man's club or whether it was yes. Lily's Bourdain. They,
1: they tested the, 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 cisterns, the cisterns, didn't they? Remembering remember, and yes.
9: That has not changed, but now it's more visible. And do you also have... More money in kids' pockets, more money in young people's pockets, and drugs are more readily available. And not just the the opioids like heroin, mm. not just the uh, mm. cocaine. You now have crack cocaine, which is being sold very cheaply, and the yeah, difference I, between I was
1: astounded to hear that that locally you can buy crack cocaine, which absolutely. is I've, Im- I've immediately addictive. Seemingly, is it
9: ab- hugely the problem yeah. with the, with crack cocaine as as opposed to heroin is that crack cocaine will create an aggression. Whereas heroin the heroin addict may be somebody who'll steal your mobile phone. The crack cocaine addict has to have every fifteen minutes so another hit
1: So possibly what we're seeing on the streets by way of violence aggression. and fighting. Yeah, you're nodding your head quite a bit there, Connor, with some of that.
13: Yeah, I think I think to be fair, I mean the the type of drugs that are available now compared to what they were thirty years ago has also evolved exponentially and When you look at series like Narcos and you see what Escobar did and the Sophistication and mm. even the series breaking bad on mm. um, on methamphetamines, mm. I mean the type of drugs now are just they're just so much more uh, eff- i won 't say the well, effective is not the right word mm. but they deliver such a more powerful hit Absolutely. that it's. A, I think it 's a lot easier now for people to fall into that trap of 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 addiction and drug abuse. But that's,
9: that's even taking it outside of the fact that prescription opioids are a huge problem mm, now. Agree. And they are a way where the average drug user is no longer the profile of the average right. drug user. The,
1: these are the painkillers that that's available. You, that you is. take that's anything
9: from uh, tramadol to benzodiazepines mm. to Lyrica to any any opioid or any antipsychotic that that you can care to mention are an addictive drug.
1: Yeah. Um, Alison, why is it now that, I mean, certainly in the last few weeks, uh, we're seeing a huge outcry about this and we're looking for guards back in the streets and all of this kind of thing. But I mean, is the genie out of the bottle, Alison?
14: I think the genie's out of the bottle a while. Yeah. Um, but I just don't think there was a w- there is a will. I still don't believe there's a will to do anything about it. You know, like Helen McIntyre interviewed last week, saying the Garda station on O'Connell Street, you know, know. not in use. Like yeah. it's and you know they're suiting their own narrative all the time, and that's mm-hmm. part of the problem. You know, and I suppose one thing that wasn't mentioned in relation to. O'Connell Street was all the Roma gypsies. You mm. know, there's a huge amount of pick, but it's not just strokes, there's other elements as well. Like O'Connell Street has been a cesspit for many years, it's mm. nothing new. Mm. Um, and there's I, been, I
1: wouldn't walk a, a down O'Connell Street,
14: no, Dublin. like I was in Dublin a couple of weeks ago and was, say, at the top of Parnell Street, mm. and you know, it's just not a nice environment to be, it's filthy. Mm. Um... But, you know, it's funny. We have guards. when You know, I would have been at the farmers' protests in mm. Dublin. Um, I remember being at an Alsop auction and guards lining up the hall. We have guards there for that, but we don't have guards there to, you know, go after this kind of thing. Which, for years, this has been spoken about. Drugs have been an issue for years. And, you know, we spoke about the decriminalisation of drugs in Portugal and how, the, you know, the effects that that have had in a positive way. Mm. And I suppose the problem is too. People don't know what they're getting. People are desensitised too. Like when we were growing up, you know, oh, they are taking mm-hmm. drugs. It mm-hmm. was massive. Now it's kind of it's a given. Mm-hmm. Like it's every sector of society, as Carol mm-hmm. said earlier. Go,
1: go back to something you said to me there, because we've been talking about resources this morning with Chief Super uh, Derek Smart, and so you you said an interesting thing that there were guardy available to police a peaceful protest, uh, namely And, the and
14: a huge amount of guards. Huge deal. amount of them. And like for an Alsop auction, for a private company, and that's now X one right. you know, to have guards lined up.
1: And by comparison then, what you saw on O'Connell Street...
14: I didn't
9: see any guards.
1: didn't guard. see any guard.
9: Well, I think that an awful lot of that comes down to the the guards are doing the job... Just come they, a little closer to that
1: for me, Carly The, the guards
9: can. are doing the job they can do. The guards are using the resources that, they're, that they've been given but they're not being given the resources in the right places. So they're basically hamstrung in what they can I don't do. Con-
14: I don't really agree with you there because I think, you know, that's a case that most people wouldn't want to go into as the likes of O'Connell Street. It's very easy to stand up at a peaceful protest and be there as armed guards and, you know, ordinary people... Who don't get the opportunity very often to protest because they're too busy working. Who aren't g- call a spade a spade. They're not going to go out there and cause trouble. Yeah.
1: Absolutely. All they want to do is their voices to be heard. So what are you saying? It's easier to police the situation. Completely. Like, that, is that? Yeah, like
14: yeah. you know, see, and the thing is, we're we've gone with this softly, softly approach for years, and in one to one degree, I feel sorry for the guards because they're picking lads up. And they are bringing them, they're going to court and the judges are mm. letting them go. Mm. Like, are, and we don't have, I suppose, the services,
9: to, you know, the but prison services mm-hmm. for these people. But we're looking at it from the wrong point then. We're looking at it as a criminal act and criminality. We're not looking at damaged, broken people who need services to bring them from addiction to function.
14: But it isn't always addicts either. You know, addicts are only one area of this, and the thing is, if an addict attacked someone related to me, that is a criminal act, whether they're an addict or they're not an addict. They're you a know. criminal. Absolutely. Yes. Absolutely. You know. okay. So,
1: Connor, can I bring you of this because you're you're nodding there, I'm nodding
13: and, da- and disagreeing yeah. furiously yeah. on some points. Yeah. yeah. Point. <laughs> uh, for me, I suppose uh, last week uh, you had Superintendent uh, Willie Lehi on with you. It did it he indeed, was yeah. trying to do a damage control interview, I think, to try and after the Monroe meeting. Um, I I took exception with some of the arguments he had and responses he had I like, found it to like be what? disingenuous he, he said that uh, the point was raised about oh you can have guards for a speed check but you can't have guards to patrol the areas and his argument was well would you rather have someone killed on the road or would you rather be safe in your home mm. I, I found it to be very kind of disingenuous and putting people on the back foot to be honest I, I didn't think it was the right attitude well, Was it that not an indication
1: of the way you have to make decisions on resources and it, Sure it's but this why is one worse that? than the
13: other why, yeah. why, can't, why can't you uh, say redeploy the guys and that's what the idea, the, the argument I would have is why do we have the go-safe fans? They're mm. supposed to be doing speed checks in the in the supposedly uh, computerised uh, identified zones mm. that, are, that are the the dead spots. Yeah. I mean, for me, I'd be a little bit sceptical that the speed trap by by a, a guard car is a, is a revenue generating exercise rather than actually a safety issue.
1: Right. So you're saying leave the speed traps to the speed vans and put the guardie on on the beach.
13: Exactly. And so the other point, I'm really, he made then was that the the guards can't do anything if it's not reported. But, I mean, the point that's been made all the week is if the guards walked the streets of Clomel, they wouldn't need to be a reporter because the guards would see what's going on in the streets of Clomel. Mm. Uh, I mean, it's been raised this morning with Derek Smart about the community policing and on the beat, etc. But the... The attitude just hasn't been there to actually right. do it.
1: But the, the thing is, if a guard is on the beat at the main guard in Clonmel or on the plaza in Cashel, nothing will happen because the guard is there. But it will happen down the laneway, So you wonder, you know. Well,
13: no, I mean, this is this is the, the perpetual cycle of uh, well, what do you do? If you do, down yeah, if you I, don't. Yeah. But I mean, I would definitely think that the people of Clonmel deserve to be able to walk the streets in safety and comfort and knowing that my teenage kids can walk up Clomwell and they are not going to be offered drugs instead of uh, being able to buy something in the shop as easy.
1: Yeah Mm -hmm. and I'm not sure if you heard Mick during the week, 72 year old guy, loves walking to the pub, can't do that, feels unsafe.
13: And that that. laneway has always been the same, all those laneways around Clomwell are always been, they stink of urine and you can see the the, the remnants of what goes on there, it's disgusting. But Hmm. is
9: that more than a societal problem than it is the visual problem. Exactly. Do we have to address something bigger? Do we have to address something wider? Agreed. Because we don't have anything in Clonmel for younger people beyond 6 o'clock in the town. It's very difficult to get them engaged in anything in the town. I, I'm,
1: I, I disagree with that. I mean, there's sports hubs there. There's, there's clubs there. The, there's they're, there's they're all pulled, sorts of... They're pulled to the outer side of the town. The, yeah. Most of
9: the sports clubs actually draw to
1: out put, of town. But even a couch potato like me could walk from the centre of the town out to where where the sports thing but is not happening. Not all you know, are there, there's night but, but there, that's well, There's you night classes, there's there's all sorts stuff of stuff. But
13: the, 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 the teenagers of today's society are focused around devices, electronic devices, and, I mean, the, the reality is that you, when, you, when you cross that threshold age of 12 or 13 and they don't have a sport interest, they're not going to just take it up because they're suddenly 13 or 14 years of age and bored. It, it's not It's not how it happens. Hmm. But, I mean, the, the other point I did want to make was uh, as as Carol has said, I mean if you are um someone who's struggling with addiction and to put that person through the judicial system and the detention system, mm. that is not the solution mm. Mm. i mean it's people an, people come out of work. detention with more drug issues than going into mm. it so uh, in one way, I do empathise with the, the guardy in their situation, and uh, they can only put them through the, the judicial system. Mm. But for me, I don't think that is the right solution, and mm. that there has to be an alternative. What,
1: what do you think of all of that? There's not enough stuff for for kids to do at night and that kind of thing. Does it, how do you?
14: To be it? honest, what was there for us? Like we're gone so kind of, you know, we mollycoddle them now. We're dysfunctional parents to a degree. Like you go anywhere and you see babies and toddlers there with phones in their hands watching videos, Also, all so that Mammy <coughs> and Daddy can be out to have dinner. That didn't happen back when we were children. Mm-hmm. You know, I suppose we're, we've become so spoiled mm-hmm. and, like, a good dose of cop on and reality needs to be part of it. And the thing is, we're, we're being so poorly led that that's part of the problem. And I definitely think, like, there's huge issues in dro- with drugs and I completely agree prison, you know, nine times out mm. of ten is not the answer. But the resources are poor and I don't see the resort mm. Like, mm. So, as somebody that's say, studied psychology myself, I think our approach is poor. And Absolutely. I think from a psychological point of view, our approach
1: is very well, what, poor. What do you mean by that? Now? Because Explain I that.
14: think you go to the doctor... You're prescribed something, yeah. you know, too easily. It's 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 just, you know, say, I have a pain in my back, you're written off work. Mm. Kids now, there's ample jobs out there. Mm-hmm. And they should be out working. They should be, because I think if we start them later, mm. they're not going to be physically able for it, as mm. is proven. Well, the hospitality, know, hospitality is crying that. out for workers. Crying, crying out,
1: out for workers,
14: you know. You
1: know, I mean, again, in our world, well, you're much younger than me, but in my, it might—it was very hard to get a job.
14: It was, and you were thrilled when you yeah, got one. And like the thing is, that was the only way you had of going out
9: at the weekend because
1: you right. weren't yeah. given money at I all. I think you, you Carl said, is the bleeding heart liberal among us. Are you, are you <laughs> offended by this? this Quite uh, the opposite.
9: I think that Alison made some brilliant points. I think one of the best points you made was that the parents are creating a dysfunction and they're creating an an, an atmosphere where their children. Aren't engaged, and they're creating an atmosphere where their children are actually buying into being a, a, a bit behind. Yes. They're jaded. Mm. They're and they're, they're not resilient. They're not resilient. You know, and that's because the they've never thing, had to it? be resilient. Yes, and um, I, I, and I think that education then, from the bottom up, on teaching children at a young age, more socialisation more uh, responsibility, more in terms of community development from the top down with parents being taught. You can't just give your kid a device and expect to have a functioning adult right. at the end of it. What
1: would you have made available to young people <laughs> that might address some of these issues? What, what I mean, you say there's not enough for them to do. What What would you have them do?
9: I think educational programmes need to start at a younger age to get kids away from devices. That the device is not your friend, per se. The transition in
13: schools now is to put... Every my, my two daughters have laptops. Yeah, mm-hmm. And and, they, and the, the idea was to get away from books. But Would they're you, still made oh, carry-off. Well. Well. What does social media teach them? Social media
9: teaches them you're not good enough. Hmm. Your image is not good enough. Your look is not good enough. You don't make enough money. You're No matter what you are or who hmm. you are, you're never quite aspiring to what the the, right. the ideal is. Well, Carl,
1: could I put it to you? You will never change that now.
9: But that, it's also that's, that you're that's,
14: entitled. That's, say, uh, the, on point. Sorry to cut entitled. across no, it, not at all. That, you know, the, know, with social media, you're entitled to this, you're entitled to yes. that. Or you look, the, you know, you can look this way by doing this, by buying this product. You know, it's all about me. Mm. Everything in, say, whereas I think they've you people have become so enclosed of every generation. Like, you know, doing someone a turn now, is frowned upon nearly. Why would you bother doing that? Mm -hmm. Whereas the actual good that you get out of doing that, that's the reward. And that's been that's gone out with the high bicycle. I, I think that
9: you're
1: you're
14: bang on the money. Okay,
1: let, let me just take a break. We'll be back with, <laughs> we'll be back with the high bicycle in just a moment.
6: <laughs> Tip FM's Tip Today with Fran Curry
0: in association with Slattery's of Pecon, Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer, Slattery's Garage Pecon, the name you can trust for over fifty years in the Premier Gandhi. Slattery'sGarage.ie Tip
6: FM
1: and you're very welcome back to our Friday panel and with us is Connor O'Brien, Carol Clancy and uh, Alison Devere Hunt is with us too. Uh, Four weeks ago Fran I received three points on my licence plus a 60 euro fine for not having an NCT disc on a four year old car is this priority policing says one of our listeners who's obviously um, very um, put out by that Uh, John was on to say the peaceful protests can and have been hijacked Uh, the wall to wall guardie lining the streets at these protests are pulled from outside of the area, which in itself deprives these areas of policing service for the duration of that. It's solely down to resources, it says here. Uh, Fran, antisocial behaviour is happening in Casual. A 60-year-old man was viciously viciously attacked last Sunday evening walking home and uh, goes on to give us some detail uh, about that as well. And somebody paraphrasing... Paraphrasing Bill Clinton and saying that woman is talking a lot of sense. So that's referring to our our Alison here as well. All right, then. Uh, Paul Lafford spoke to me on the programme yesterday about a letter sent to his son from AIB. Paul's son was adopted from Russia as a baby and the AIB wrote to him saying that because of his Russian heritage, they would be placing restrictions on his account in line with EU sanctions imposed on Russia. Uh, Alison, can I start with you uh, on this? I know that you're cross about this, to say the I
14: least. I think this is scandalous. They maybe want to take a deeper look into the IFSE um, if they're going to be writing to individual you know, like that child or young man now is an Irish citizen there's huge questions. I think we should be going to a referendum in relation to our neutrality. I think you know Simon Coveney is breaking every rule in the book in relation to our constitution and I take great issue with it. Um, there's something rotten in the state of Denmark as they say Fran and I'm, I, to be honest it's beggars belief what's going on. We're flying in Ukrainian soldiers to give them treatment here. You know we are ignoring our own people. And, like, even during the summer, we go on about the cost of living and about all these sanctions that are in place. When it came to the harvest for our tillage farmers, oh, Ukrainian ships of grain come in. Great way to keep the price down. They're able to manoeuvre it to right. whatever And there's certainly like. people
1: making a lot of money out of this conflict.
14: Massive amounts yeah, of money. Massive. yeah. But to be honest, I think... Enough is enough now. Like, Simon Coveney needs to be called to halt because we are supposed to be a neutral country. I have not seen him do anything to encourage peace.
1: Well, 61% of our people still believe that we should hang on to our our neutrality.
14: Completely. We're a neutral country. Like, there he is offering 66 million for, um, you know, to help train Ukrainian soldiers. That's not neutral. Mm. There's nothing neutral about that. You know, Austria is a neutral country. They declined to participate in this military training. So why aren't we doing the same? Mm. Like, who is giving Simon Coveney the authority to do this? Because it comes from higher up than him.
1: Right. I suppose the argument there would be that, you know, we're taking the side of the Ukrainian people who were a sovereign state and and, and and Russia, you As know. As the
14: people, we're not. You we're know, if you look that. at any of, the, we're not, ta- say, taking the side of the Ukrainians. Irish people, we're, 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 if you look at any of the Red Sea polls or anything, people are saying they want to remain neutral. Mm. That's not taking a side. Mm. You know, I think... You but, know,
1: but we do seem to have empathy, um, empathy for is, the Ukrainian people. Yeah, you empathy know, is in,
14: something different. Like, yes. And to be honest, we've no empathy, or AIB have no empathy for that young man, yeah. you know, who is an Irish citizen. Like I, I think we're. And does out it mean anything our to our you
1: uh, that you know AIB saying that this has been adopted by the European Union? They're simply following on from instruction, I suppose, from the European Union on this.
14: Look, to be honest, I'd look into it in more detail there too because yes. we have huge Russian oligarchs, you know, in, heavily involved in the IFSC. I'm sure they're not getting letters because they're very wealthy people. You know, say mm. it's they they are they're doing they're doing what suits
1: them. And and before I move on, can you ask about the situation that we're in at the moment where we just have no more room. For, we don't for have refugees. any more room and we're
14: creating civil unrest. Like my heart goes out to the Ukrainian people. I I find this war very I I've said it before on this panel. I find it a war that I find very hard to kind of um you know understand because I can't believe in war torn countries how diplomats and celebrities fly in for photo opportunities. I can't get over how Zelensky who is supposed to be so busy in this war has time to you know publish books on his speeches. For me, that doesn't. Featured add up. in
1: fashion magazines. Yeah, with his completely. And, uh, you yeah. know,
14: and are can film festival wherever there's something on, he'll be there. That mm. has that celebrity, you know. Right. Well, it's a proxy
1: war, basically, isn't
14: it? It is. Yeah. I believe so. It's, yeah. If things kick off in between China and Taiwan, we'll, we'll know all about well, that's, war. That's
1: going to be very interesting. <laughs> Connor, do you have a do you have a strong opinion on on this? Let, let's stick with the AIB element of it for the moment. Sure.
13: To be honest, I think we're a bit overreacting to it. I, I think AIB have made a an, an, an mistake. I think somebody in their risk department has gone off on a solar run Dave, and they have issued these letters to nationals or Russian, people with a Russian heritage or connection, and they haven't really understood the ramifications of it. I, I think, yes, they put who, up Who hasn't understood? AIB. I think there's whoever is running the risk department that thought, just, okay, the EU, the EU requirement regulation requires me to tick this box, so I must tick this box, yeah. and I think that's what's happened.
14: Well, maybe I, they need to be sacked then, Connor, because we had last month they wanted to go cashless. You know, say obviously their
9: their department
14: is mm-hmm. making a well, lot of faux this pads. is the
13: risk department. Uh, the cashless, I don't know who made that decision,
9: but the, 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 I would say that's a clear case of somebody applying the letter of the law without any common sense. Yeah. Mm. But I think then if you take that to every other facet of the bank applying the letter of the law or the the will of mm. the, the higher european banks without any regard for how it's going to affect people on the ground you then come into aib going cashless and you take that, that yeah. common sense has gone out it's of a, it. It's
1: interesting to see in a recent uh, poll as well about, you know, what companies we believe in and what companies we trust and stuff. Top of the line was the credit union, which is no surprise, but way down at number 50s, AIB. In fact, even though Bank of Ireland is much, much higher. So what what is that telling you, you know?
13: But I mean, this we've been on this downward trend of uh, of trust in banks ever since the, the, the early noughties when money was just free for all. And then so the crash came and then suddenly people kind of had this, this uh, realisation that, holy crap, it, it all did come to an end. People were saying it for years, but no one wanted to believe it. Mm. And uh, I think we're seeing the ramifications of yes. it now.
1: But here, here's a young lad. Few bob from his grandparents in in the thing. His his parents adding to it every month, and again a few buy, I think it amounted to about three thousand euros. So. But I mean, it was the kid getting this in the post, opening it up himself, and seeing himself then as being different in some way.
13: Mm-hmm. I agree. I think this is why I think I think it was just an error on behalf of AIB, a misjudgment in terms of how they approached it, and I think they could have even filtered it to say if the account balance wasn't over a hundred grand, then you shouldn't have maybe gotten the letter. Mm. But I suppose it's the reality of somebody in the bank were told, get these letters together, and then uh, they went out. So you, you're you very be forgiving of AAB ab- 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 then? I I'm mean. not forgiving, but I, I'm, I understand how this happens. I mean, the banks issue this crap all the time. Mm. I mean, we, how many days a week do you get the circular from KBC saying they're closing their accounts in Ulster Bank? Yeah. I mean, it, it's we're going to do this, we're going to do They're trying to communicate constantly, and if they'd only stop with some of the nonsense that they come out with and actually focus on the real mm. stuff, then we'd have... What, what about that? Connor is very forgiving of them.
14: Yeah, I'd i be less forgiving. And like, to be honest, even if he had more than 100,000 in the bank, he's an Irish citizen. And even if he is a Russian citizen, he, you know, he grew up here. We're let, People are burning their passports. People are arriving here with no passports and we're allowing them in. We're doing no vetting whatsoever. This is a young chap that has grown up here and he's receiving a letter. And look, countless others have obviously received mm. that letter as
13: well. So... Like mm. AIB didn't write the regulations; they came from EU. So e. AIB just didn't implementing I'm sure Bank of Ireland
14: haven't sent out letters like that, or the credit but How do you know they like, haven't? Well, we haven't heard about <laughs> exactly. that. We haven't know what heard I mean, about it. So it, it, does, it Carol, would you talk
1: to me about the psychology of this? I mean, here's a young lad who never was made to feel different at all, right throughout his school life and the like. Then all of a sudden, he's Russian, and I'm just wondering about the psychology of that. For me, is is there a danger there? I think, seen as being I think a lot
9: will someone. depend on, on that young man's circumstances. And I'm sure with that young man's circumstances, his parents will have, over the course of his life, mm. made sure that he is very aware of both parts of his yes. heritage. Yes, and,
1: and I know the parents, they're fantastic and, parents and, and they would they have, will have,
9: have made that. sure that he is solid and that this isn't going to knock him beyond the, the minimum. Mm. But I think it does speak to something that's much wider, and we touched on it the last time we spoke on the phone, which is the automation of services means that humanity is being taken out of business. And the more you automate these letters, the more people you affect... Right. without any consequence, because but there's no humans isn't, involved.
1: Isn't that why credit union is top of the pole? Because Absolutely, you walk because in, you can you talk to real you, human beings.
9: If I want a loan, I go yes. and I talk to somebody in the credit yeah. union. Usually they say no, but, you know, I have to try. <laughs> but the, the the psychology of the banks and of the, the global institutions is not to have human beings involved. It's not to have any humans involved, it's to have numbers involved.
1: Hmm.
9: And that fragments our society even more. And and just briefly, because I have to
1: take another break, but that notion of the single narrative on the conflict between Ukraine and Russia, um, does that concern you that it's very...
9: There is absolutely no single narrative. I mean, Russia still pay Ukraine to this day to allow them to run a pipeline across Ukraine. I mean, how is that a war? (laughs) The, The war is so multifaceted that we only see whatever the media is portraying and an awful lot but, of the, the media... But that's that what I mean at, about a
1: single narrative. That the yeah. single
9: narrative is, is what we're being shown, but it's not actually what's there. Right. And I think if, if you look at the fact that Russia pays Ukraine, Ukraine pays Germany, Germany pays Ukraine, we're all basically running an economic war
1: that's right. being fought Just but Just a really quick quick one on that before we go to the break. Conor, do you, do you want to comment on that?
13: I I don't disagree with Alison or Carl on this one. Um, I mean the, uh-huh. the, the, <laughs> the 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 reality is is yes we are we are seeing all the different aspects of it, but I think what's really come to light is the how intertwined we currently are with people who on the surface of it, we we think that okay we we've nothing to do with Russia, but actually in reality Russia feeds us and Russia heats us, mm. um, and we we don't like to talk about it because we don't want to be associated with that because for some because we have vilified Putin and mm, his regime sure. and what they do, mm. um, but I think the the uh, the birds have come home to roost now because we need Russian oil, mm. we need mm. Ukrainian grain. There's no choice. We've made ourselves dependent. Exactly, of we have. Exactly. All right, let us take a
1: break. Uh, right I'll back to you.
7: Tip Today with Fran Curry With Slattery's Garage, puck on. You can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie.
6: If it matters to you, it matters to us. Call Tip Today on
1: 1-800-938-007. And you're very much. welcome back to our Friday panel. Connor is with us, uh, Alison and uh, Carl. And our final topic today the state examination. Uh Commission will issue the 2022 Junior search results on the 23rd of November, which is unbelievable. The delay, of course, being blamed in part on a shortage of examiners and prioritisation given uh, to the Leaving sir. But it did bring up the topic during the week as to whether it has any value anymore. Does this show that there's little regard for it? Does it matter? Um, do you want to start this, Carl, because you have a sort of skin in the game, so to speak. Well,
9: I, I had a conversation last night. I, I rang my daughter uh, who's now 18, but she was of that class who didn't do a junior cert because of COVID Mm. and their um, years were marked by their classroom-based assessments, their CBAs, and she went into TY afterwards and into fifth year after that and just went, well, actually, it made no difference to me. So I said, does it make a difference? And she said, if you're talking about preparing for a leaving cert, then it would be a good dry run. Mm. But since we're already talking about reforming the Leaving Cert so that it's no longer the single day state examination... modular in some way. And that that largely the Junior Cert will have to reflect that. So classroom-based assessments are probably far more useful indicators of where a child is. Because exams should only be ever about finding out what the child knows, what the child doesn't know and what holes need to be filled. The Junior Cert is a good metric to find out, did the school over three years fill those holes?
1: OK. But it's so, not
9: necessarily a great... Uh, so
1: should we hold on to it or not, do you think?
9: I think that a an end-of-year exam is probably a better idea than a junior-search three-year exam.
1: An end-of-year S- each, each year, like, yeah. Like, like yeah. we always well, did. Well, that, that's sort of there based anyway, on, though. Based but, on, yeah. yeah. Based Conor, on what do you think? Should we
13: hold on to it or scrap I would be in favour of holding on to it. I think would it's you? important for kids when they come into secondary school it's a big step from primary school I think that that first target of getting to the junior search get that under your belt and then get set up for leaving search I think it's an important milestone I think if we, I think what has happened with this year's junior start has been just a shambles. I think the, the Department of Education should be hauled through the coals for that. Mm. Um, I think it's it's actually very disrespectful to the students how they've been treated. Well, that's and,
1: the point, and that's why people are questioning it now and saying you absolutely. Know?
13: But that doesn't mean that the junior art is invalid. It just means how the Department of Education has has managed it has been mm. totally incompetent. I think the junior art itself is a worthwhile. Uh, milestone for the guys to be able to take and say yes I've done right. my, my, my joint petunia junior search and now on to my leaving search and do you give the department any leeway because of the issues that arose from absolutely COVID none. and none it's or, their own creation the difficulties finding examiners it's their, their own, own creation is it? their complete yeah. incompetence and inability to manage anything at a public service level is coming through now mm-hmm. and COVID mismanaged start to finish and now we're feeling the <coughs> ramifications of it we're seeing it in our schools we're seeing it in our hospitals we're seeing it everywhere COVID mismanaged absolutely from, the, from day one, it was a complete and utter disaster. Do you mean disaster. from a
1: medical point of view as well as everything else?
13: Medical, financial, everything. economic, everything was an absolute catastrophe. And we, we've got thousands of people who can't get an appointment for four or five years in a hospital. I mean, how ridiculous are we, do we look? People will die before they actually get the scan they need. Yeah. Alison, here, junior cert. here, here. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Yay! I hate, it, I, I I hate it when there's agreement on a
9: plan. I actually think we have a consensus.
1: Yeah. <laughs> what about the junior cert, Alison?
14: Say, I agree with Connor in relation to the department. I think you know, like at this stage, getting exam results on the twenty third of November, it it it's disrespectful, really. Mm. And it you know, there's no reason why that should not it should be the case. In relate, if we're reforming the leaving cert, then I think maybe you know I wouldn't have a problem with the junior cert being done away with. Mm. Um, you know, to have it basically is some in some sort of fashion that yes, you do your exams, but that the teacher from the other class corrects them, that it's not your own teacher, you know. I like that it's in-house, but I, I just think like I doing my junior cert and anyone, no one really cared. Yeah. You know, unless you were very diligent. But well, of course, there was a.
1: You yeah. see, it does hark back to a time where you could actually get a job with the junior cert.
14: Yeah, but you can hardly get a job with a leaving yeah, cert a, now. I you know, and say like a college education. So now it? A degree is like a leaving yeah, cert. of course now.
1: it is. Yeah, scrap it is what you're saying. Yeah?
14: Well, look, if yeah, say if if they're going to re, say completely reform the leaving cert, then I would say scrap it.
1: All right, mm. and you were in complete agreement. No,
14: on uh, only in the relation to the department. Oh, yeah. yeah. But
1: you were in complete <laughs> agreement when Connor said about the whole thing of COVID being a fiasco.
14: Oh, completely. Completely. And, and, and do you the chickens you give them, are coming home to roost now, Frank. And do
1: you give them any credit at all to see trying to stir it as much as... Like, like, in terms of that, it was... Unprecedented time. There was no blueprint there for this. There was no. They did their best. Yeah,
14: but anyone that stood up and questioned, oh, uh, like you any medics, oh, you anyone, do that. they were shunned.
1: That's right. Yeah. Like
14: it was scandalous how uh-huh. people were treated. Anyone who didn't have, weren't going by the same narrative as mm, government. You
1: were a conspiracy theorist. Completely. Yeah.
14: You know, and now we're starting. to The cracks are starting to appear. Right. And, you know, an awful lot of medical people are starting to come out and speak about this. and yeah.
9: Including Pfizer themselves.
1: I, I, yes. I, I, I'm over time, but do you want a quick word on that aspect of it that, uh, you know, seeing that Connor brought yeah, this up? I,
9: I think Connor hit the nail on the head. Mm, um, sorry for the consensus, but <laughs> I think that it, Complete it, there, it was mismanaged in a lot of ways. Mostly because we created a board called Neffet and never asked who was on it. And what their credentials for managing something like this might have been? Yes, um, we didn't change. Or how,
1: how they came to consensus? Yeah, we yeah, didn't I, change. I never understood. We
9: didn't use uh, WHO best practice at the start, mm-hmm. and then we used WHO best practice to beat people with later on. Yeah, and uh, there but, were so that's many. That's where
1: they didn't want lockdown, yeah. but we went ahead. So with many this, different
9: it? conflicting mm. arguments and, and opinions oh. that it muddied the waters for everyone. Oh, right. And that allowed for the mismanagement to get even worse. All right,
1: I must go. Uh, Carl, Connor and Alison, thank you so much. Excellent panel today. Really enjoyed that. Thank you so much indeed. That's it for me, Ali produced. Uh, Stephen is on the way with the Time Tunnel and I'll talk to you on Monday. Look after yourselves. Bye-bye.